welcome to Towards the Eye Roll, a podcast where four friends read Moby Dick. My name's Latner. Um, let's introduce wow. the rest of our co-hosts in increasing geographic distance from my location. Uh, so, Matthew, you're at 1,633 miles. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I had to let go to my mental map. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Matthew. Great. Coming up next at 1,671 miles, Dibs. It's me. It's Dibs. Hi. And finally, with a the biggest score of 5,130 miles. Wow. That's not a race. That's a long race. <laughs> nope. That's it's a, a long race. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello, I am Carlos. Nice to, nice to be here. How's it yeah. going? Yeah. Hello. You know, it's get back on the regular schedule that we never uh-huh. um, yeah. trade from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, since, since it's only been a couple of weeks since we last talked, um, how much is everyone yearning for the sea? I just want to say uh-huh. that this uh-huh. is the, this is, it's 2023 now. Uh-huh. It's January uh-huh. 2nd. This is, is the year of Towards the Eye Roll to me. Wow. Uh, you oh, know, okay. kind of like Year of Luigi, kind of like, well, no, that's a bad one because that was a flop year. Um, but also, it's but, Year of Luigi again, we've decided in twenty. Oh, yeah, because right. he's 40 now, right? Well, oh my god, that's so exciting! Twenty thirteen yeah. wasn't good enough for him, so we're doing we're doing it again. Yeah, yeah, he deserves it. Um, but yeah, so welcome I'm, I'm to the on. year towards the eye roll. Shout it from the rooftops. Anyway, it's I'm yearning. Yeah. <laughs> How much? <laughs> and for what? <laughs> Which for what? The yeah. sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mm-hmm. at the sea two days ago, so zero. Brag. Okay, so yeah, pretty low. Yeah. I live next to the sea, Matthew. You don't at all. No, Matthew doesn't and always wants the sea. And it's really so sad that Matthew can't go be at the sea. No one ever came and visited specifically to take Matthew to the (laughs) sea. My sea yearning is... Oh, actually, yeah, that's something that has happened since the last time we recorded is we came and visited and we went to the sea. uh, My my sea yearning is like lower than than normal. It's like a... Wow. It's like a two. Mm. But it's it's like winter and it's gray and dreary outside, so... So are yeah. you yearning for snow? Because that's the opposite, right? Uh, it, is it? Uh, yeah, to me. Sure. Okay, sure. Well, because uh, ice is close to water and sea, snow. but snow is kind of far. Yeah. It's kind of like snow versus rain, right? Like you would. Okay, so I'm imagining like the 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 soil triangle, but for like the sea, ice, and snow. Is that yeah. what you're thinking? Okay. I don't know what the soil triangle. Well, you don't know what the, you know what the soil triangle is. We, <laughs> idiot. Is this the one that's built in all the loam? <laughs> yeah. Oh, with like the, the little weird shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. You, you yeah know okay. The loam shape. I know the loam shape. There's clay in there. Uh, I did yes. not know that that was Is there chalk in the soil triangle? Uh, Gotta be. It's, so the, the three axes are. I don't see it. Silt, clay, and sand. Well, yeah. there's a lot of clay. And there's different zones of like soil types based on Why your composition isn't of chalk okay. on so the soil dirt? triangle. That's loam. Is loam dirt? It's loam all dirt. A, it's all dirt, baby. Soil. Chalk and mineral. Yeah. This is all soil. But sand's not dirt. Sand soil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I chalk mean, is like, but like, what's the closest to like normal? Soil? Oh yeah. You know, norm for uh, soil. <laughs> what, what is it? What is normal? <laughs> what is normal <laughs> soil? <laughs> is See, it's different uh, uh, wherever. Probably, probably loam. Is that loam? Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is loam like well, that's the, what I'm the thinking. classic soil? N- classic loam's, soil. Loam's duffy, right? Loam's like the duff what? on the forest floor. 
Loam looks pretty fucking. I thought that was like so, dirt. Oh no, loam's loam's like dirt. Loam's like dirt. It's, baby. it's like potting but soil. But like duff. Yeah. So now what's silt? Uh, is loam nobody knows duff? what duff is. I know what duff is because because of you, but nobody else does. Wait, that's dough. That's not. What we call loam is duff, which is the organic layer that gives great riding experience. Sort of like skiing. Wait. So this is, okay, this, this is for mountain Listen. biking. Uh huh. <laughs> what? No, I, I think Duff is like pre-loam. Yeah, that like, sounds right. Yeah, Duff is pre-loam. Yeah, 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 yeah. good. Duff, Sorted. the pre right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, right. yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I'm the looking at loam. The sequel to Duff, loam. Yeah, this is normal. What was the thing we saw the other day? The the sequel to Above, Below, that book. Do you remember this? What? It was like a book cover with a, with a helicopter on it. Oh, well, I, yes, I sent that to the chat because we were playing bridge and I, yes, we were talking about above book and I Googled above book book named. Yeah. Yeah. Above. Um, Anyways, my yearning for the sea is like a two. (laughs) Yeah. Mine's also pretty low, lower than usual. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing the sea, so I'll put it at a two, but I'm very much Mm -hmm. in winter mode. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that means I'm into being in the mountains in Mm -hmm. my snowy house. So. It's a two. Oh. Is your snowy house in the mountains? Say that one more time. I feel like we've had this discussion where you asked yeah. me if I know mm-hmm. what Vermont means. That's but right. yeah, I'm That's guessing it's all mm-hmm. mountains. It's it's all mountains. It is. It's pretty it mountainous. All mountains Mostly, except for yeah. a lake that is definitively not a mountain. Um, oh, and that's okay. also there. And then there's the Champlain Valley around the lake, but that's all surrounded by mountains. But no, I I... I I live in the Green Mountain National Forest, which is specifically a big chunk of mountains that runs up the middle of the state. Oh. Okay. Uh, also, since last time we recorded, Dibs took me to visit the Ancestral Hill. Yeah. Oh. I took Matthew and, to meet the forest spirit. Yeah. Wait, is that yeah. where the Vovich was? Or kind like, of. Could have been. The, the been, witches, yeah. maybe, were? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I there was a witch, did. if I saw something from that movie on that Ancestral Hill, I'd be like, yep, mind my own business. Nice yeah. to meet you. Distracts, did kind yeah. of scare Matthew with the forest spirit. Yeah. yeah. There was a gasp right. and a little jump. Yeah. Dibs told me ahead of time oh, we were no. going to visit the forest spirit. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, sure. I get it. I did not get it, reader. Uh, Ooh. Anyway, left. Come to Vermont. Right, so. Meet the forest spirit. Yeah. That's Meet what's on all those, uh, those like, Metro North, like, Yeah, the Metro North Visit, Ver- visit yeah, Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> We've got forest spirits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lat, what's your... So how yearning? about vengeance? Yeah, but... How is wait, what was yours? What was what? What's your sea yearning, Lat? Yeah, oh, uh, pretty low. It's currently snowing right now nice oh, jealous. um jealous. so like yeah yeah look, looking at the wind right the op- the opposite of the sea yep. we've determined. well yeah. maybe not yeah i don't know if you can have opposites on a triangle but uh, you, you um, can okay it's just rotated sure yeah a little bit i failed geometry yeah um so uh yeah i'm just you know sit sitting inside warm and cozy looking at snow coming down um and not wanting to be on the sea isn't that just like a states of matter triangle matthew the ice snow water no, because now oh, this is a gas. Wait, also, but also, <laughs> yes. Snow no, gas. Of, two of those are solid. <laughs> well, yeah. Snow is like in the air, so it's if you think true. about it, that's kind of like a gas. It is, though. Like, yeah. it's yeah. You know what yeah. else is a gas? The smoke from yeah. the pipe that we read about. Wow. Uh-huh. Which one? This would have been a yeah. great segue if we were going if into we the did chapters, a little later. Yeah. Right, yeah, if yeah, we yeah. didn't yeah, have yeah. vengeance checks to go yeah. through. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's okay, yeah. but you're editing, so you can just put it in later. Right. Just yeah, I'm just going to cut that, that one <laughs> yeah. sentence out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two, two vengeance, because I have to go back to work tomorrow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Same. 
I don't, but bit. I should. You don't. Well, if you're a Matthew student listening to this podcast, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the semester doesn't start until like the end of the month, but I have like other stuff wow. I have to do before then. Aww. So lucky, yeah. lucky must be nice. Um, yeah, I'm also pretty low, but also kind of, kind of, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna be at the at a two. The two okay. sounds good. Okay. The two yeah. sounds good. There's nothing two in particular right. that's causing vengeance, but yeah, I do have to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably where I am too. Like just coming up holidays and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I probably had a two also. It's it's a mild mm-hmm. background yeah. drone of vengeance yeah. post holidays. I feel like. Yeah. It's standard. not like I'm I'm yeah. free of the desire for vengeance, but it's not like no. it's not right here overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot has happened in the last year, so. I don't. I don't know. I, th- I feel like we gotta, you know, hit a kind of a reset on the vengeance, the oh. medians. No, the the oh, okay. av- the means. Uh-huh. The medians. <laughs> the, the means, means yeah, of vengeance. I, th- I thought what you were alluding to there was like, <laughs> it's been a big year, and I thought you were saying that it's sort of like a cumulative, like all the vengeance like oh, backs up and gets up? to an apex, mm, right. and then right. it's like yeah. we must recognize that, but but no, because we sort of clear it away for the new year, but yeah. then there's still some left, so it's like a two. Because it's January, you just second. keep sweeping the vengeance under the rug. Yeah. Oh it's well, I, I have a different housemate now who was we'll like the death. source of a lot of my vengeance previously. So that's uh, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not oh, not anymore. Nice. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a different yeah. vengeance. It's you know, it's, we're still at a two, but it's less than it okay. was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. What else happened in twenty twenty two? Nothing. <laughs> nah, not much. <laughs> we went to London. I met Lat and Dibs. That was fun. Yeah. That's true. We are real. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else happened in 2022? Yeah. Carlos Ooh. and I read some phone Dude. numbers, which made me laugh. Yeah. Like, yeah. one of the hardest I've laughed this year, just reading <laughs> phone numbers off of a piece of paper. <laughs> in, a off. Accent, in a British yeah, accent. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Nope. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's see. Man, all this all this news is sad. Yeah, let's yeah, no, died. That's the queen died. died. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yay. All right, there, there is some good news. Uh-huh. Little, little highlight after little you came to London or before. Okay. That was who could say? that was that was after because yeah, I remember so, I had some friends who, who came say? in right after us and they had to deal with all of the, the shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to ride on the DLR. Oh my god! We did get good. to ride yeah. on the DLR? That was probably a highlight of the year right there. Absolutely, we made our initial plans to steal the DLR. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean to free it. It's true. From uh-huh. bondage. Free it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. If you're if you're listening to this, don't tell anyone. Stuck to the rails. Don't tell the Y'all DLR people about our plans. Yeah. Uh-huh. The queen. We well, definitely I guess you can't tell the queen. Didn't Rip. take <laughs> pictures no, of the control panel <laughs> yeah. and make annotations. Yeah. Hmm. And and figure it out. Um, you you can buy those little like triangle keys they use. By the way. Yes, you, um, you found them. EBay. Yep. So. Okay. Um, Perfect. Anyways, yeah. We considered throwing a cake into the side of the northern line as it went by and wondered how quickly we would get caught if we did that to say happy birthday to the northern line. I forgot okay. about right. that. Yeah. Just slamming birthday. a cake into the side of it okay. and then running upstairs <laughs> through the mysterious northern line winds, which are always right. present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're not mysterious. That's by design. Did I. What? Did, did I explain this? Oh, so the. So it's this a wind-powered train, fascinating right? thing. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Essentially, okay. Um, the there's no ventilation built into the the uh, the underground in London, um, which leads to an interesting side effect of that: the ground underneath London has been warming ever since the train was built, and it just continues to warm. And that's probably going to be a problem at some point. 
Um, but it's like the temperature is like seven or eight degrees warmer underground now because the trains keep running and putting off heat and there's nowhere, nowhere for it to go. Um, but one of the ways they designed it was that the trains in the London Underground fit very close into the tunnels. So there's not a lot of space. Um, so when the trains move, it like pushes a wall of air and then this wall of air gets pushed out of the 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 station. So especially in the like deeper lines, like the the northern line, which I think is the deepest line of the underground, mm-hmm. that wind's very noticeable. Yeah. Also, yeah. super fun fact so. that the northern line is just turning into a ceramic oven. I mean, it is one, yes. and yeah. it's just slowly heating more and more heating over up. time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That was really fun to be in over the summer. That was really fun. So it seems fun. like yes. it, it was. It's it warm. No, but then you can then you can pop the back windows open on the trains, which I really loved, and then you can pet the top yes. of the train and get and yeah. get the Did train the train uh, mess black. on your hands. Yeah, all over here. Just how the train says it loves happened. you. What the fuck is wrong yeah. with London? I, <laughs> the trains are sick. No, Bloodborne was right. It's a terrible <laughs> place. Right. Yeah. Uh, don't don't worry, Matthew. On, on on all the new trains, they're putting ACs on the trains. Which they're putting armored core on in yeah. London. Armor, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh hell yeah! Seven <laughs> six or whatever was announced. Six. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, armored core six uh-huh. fires a Rubicon. Uh-huh. Armored core six. We break um, the DLR off that track and let it roam free. <laughs> yeah. Please. Me and Axel would be so proud. Yeah, one of one of my favorite um, moments was when Dibs and I uh, got into London, and we had both just gotten off like red eye flights, uh, and we're both very tired. And we were sitting outside, I think it was at a market, um, and there were these pigeons. Mm. And then I, uh, we were talking, and I was like, "Do you ever want to just?" And Dibs was like, "Grab them." Like, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and, she, and then Dibs was like, "Well, mm-hmm. but but you, you you know what the problem is?" It's like. They, they they'd be greasy. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So greasy. Greasy. We had greasy we had this like mental like connection moment yeah. when we were wow. both sleep deprived yeah. and yeah. wanting to grab the greasy pigeons. That's the why Lat and I podcasting. own all the same clothes because of the grease pigeon link. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a side effect. The, the JPL. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I'm actually kind of sad. I don't own the the Akira hoodie you're currently wearing. <laughs> It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I have not seen that movie. No, nope, that stepped away. Oh no. So I do have this one now. Oh, it's oh, pretty okay. close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is almost yeah. identical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so okay. so for those uh, as we all know podcasting is a visual medium. Um uh-huh. for those who who missed that, uh Dibs and I have almost matching uh Akira hoodies and t shirts that we only just now discovered live. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Not, not a go. surprise, though. No. No, that's really not. <laughs> wow. Anyways. Wild. Anyways. Speaking should of we... post-apocalyptic manga. Should we speaking roll of apocalyptic us? manga. Yeah, we'll let's talk about the, the chapters we read. Yay! We read, let's see, chapter 26, Knights and Squires. Chapter 27, Knights and Squires. That's right. Oh, there's more pages. Chapter 28, Ahab. No. Chapter 29, Enter Ahab. To him, Stub, Chapter 30, The Pipe, and Chapter 31, Queen Mab. Yeah. Um, in these chapters, we're introduced to the crew, and Stub has a bad dream. Tight summary, Lat. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is... Thank you. That's pretty that much... That is it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ahab quit smoking. Yeah. That was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. for him. It's true. Mm-hmm. That does happen. Stub doesn't. <laughs> no. Thank God. <laughs> he decidedly doesn't. Uh, Stub also gaslights no. himself. Yeah. No, he doesn't. No? 
Uh, well, we're gonna I, we're gonna I, 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 we're gonna need we'll to dig there. into we'll this. Go so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yes. uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, yeah. Let's let's learn about these people. Chapter twenty six. Knights and squires. Woo! Look out, everybody! Hot girl alert. Yeah. <laughs> who do we who do we learn about in this chapter? Uh, this is when we meet Starbuck and kind of learn about him. Schmill goes on about. Uh, I I have some notes here. I was just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first read this book forever ago, I had I had some trouble like keeping track of all these different characters. Um, but Starbuck is a, a Quaker from Nantucket. Uh, he's mm-hmm. thirty. Uh, he has a wife and child in Cape Cod. Uh, mm-hmm. I, there's this great quote here: uh, "His flesh, as hard as twice baked biscuit, mm-hmm. his pure tight skin was an excellent fit. Uh, mm-hmm. Just not at normal. all normal." horny at all just very normal love to say how well Uh, someone's skin fits yes (laughs) uh excellent by the way Mm -hmm. um ishmael compares him to a mummy but a hot Uh, one uh, yeah a hot mummy (laughs) uh we know that starbuck is very superstitious not from ignorance but from intelligence uh superstitious Mm -hmm. but in a cool way yeah um and then there's also like a bit about uh he won't he won't tolerate people who are fearless um mm-hmm. so like there's like no wailing after sundown uh and also like starbuck is like not afraid to like bounce from a catch that is like being like rough or going kind of bad um mm-hmm. and yeah yeah i think there was there was a point where he was described as like he it's describing his like about the excellent fit of his skin um <laughs> but like he how he was very tight and it was the condensation of the man yes uh-huh. um it was like distilled down to very pure essence yes i i feel like i know a lot of these people like oh there's a lot of like outdoorsy people i know that do like rock climbing and that kind of stuff that like in my mind perfectly fit with this where they're the 100%. ones that do all the like really crazy stuff and they're like yeah you know there's like a 10 percent chance of dying i've got all this stuff in but you know if this goes wrong you're just gonna die yeah um and uh you know like they're 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 not taking risks but they're very like aware of the risks that are present um and very like rational about like doing irrational things Mm -hmm. if that makes sense a hundred percent yeah i underlined this line about starbuck and wrote babe and underlined it six times with three exclamation points after it which is Starbuck was no crusader after perils. In him, courage was not a sentiment, but a thing simply useful to him and always at hand upon all mortally practical occasions. Fuck yes. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, good way to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, his dad and brother died in the ocean, mm-hmm. and that is why he's got this, like, healthy amount of caution. Mm-hmm. Like, they're talking about it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Stubb says, Starbuck, uh, there is a... As careful a man as you'll find anywhere in this fishery, but we shall ere long see what the word careful precisely means when used by a man like Stubb yeah. or almost any other whale hunter. Pretty good. Right. I also yeah. wrote down um, that he's uh, he's a boy like a clock because they bring that up a couple times, how he has this energy of like the, there's like a clock compass thing that, that mm-hmm. hangs on the, the ship and they compare Starbuck to it in terms of just like there's a lot turning inside of him in terms of like calculation mm-hmm. and measuring risk and understanding all of the yeah. um implications that any situation could have but on the outward front yeah. he's just this stolid solid like clean mm-hmm. looking guy who's just going to be like all these turning machinations mean 
it's three o'clock and this is what we're going to do. And like, that's, I just thought that was a really satisfying summary. It's also a fun way to talk about a guy. Cause it was, the quote was like, yeah. for be it polar snow or towards sun, like a patent chronometer, his interior vitality was warranted to do well in all climates. The warranted to do well in all climates. That's a, that's a fun little, fun little, yeah. looks yeah. like, it sounds like he's selling a chronometer, but <laughs> it does like he's selling a watch. Yeah. Selling a watch. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. A very a very hardy man. Uh, there's also this. I, I forgot to pick this one out, but transported to the Indies, his live blood would not spoil like bottled ale. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, there's there's also the the supposition that like uh, he was born on a fasting day. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. yeah. Or or like during a time of drought or famine. In in the nineteenth century, Massachusetts had an annual fast day. Yeah, um, there was an actual real is, fast. Yeah. Unlike the last one we talked about, it goes by fast, <laughs> the last so. one. Do we want to talk about how in this chapter, um, uh-huh. it's <laughs> so it yeah. starts out with Ishmael Melville being like, "Hey, I'm going to tell you about this guy. Right, he's the first mate. It's really important. I'm going to like paint you this picture of who he mm-hmm. is as a man." And then it just. Mm-hmm erodes into this uh-huh. like yeah. very intense it's almost like he's just becoming it's like he's been drinking a lot of caffeine and just more and more <laughs> is going in as the chapter goes on until he reaches this just like peak pitch by the end where he's talking about um that immaculate manliness we feel within ourselves so far within us which <laughs> um uh-huh. that remains intact though all other outer character seems gone bleeds with keenest anguish not the undraped spectacle of a valor ruined man and there's a lot of exclamation points there's a lot of you know gods in here he mm-hmm. just totally um it does it de- it devolves or evolves depending on your perspective from describing starbuck into this sort of thesis on how um yeah He's talking again about this God that he talks about a lot, his perception of God, which is this God who is a great representation of democracy, this God who represents like divine equality in all and how this is something that comes through to his mind in all of these quote unquote, like common mean men that exist in this, in this line of work. That, that last paragraph is an almost like direct response to the reviewer of uh, White Jacket, which was his previous book in the New York uh, oh. New York Albion. Oh, wow. um, that's very good funny. for him. Yeah, this uh, this review from March thirtieth, eighteen fifty. Um, he made fun of Melville celebrating the essential dignity of man Aww. in American demograph- uh, democratic mm-hmm. institutions, uh, and demanded: Is it consistent with the essential dignity that one man should sweep the floor of Congress and another make laws upon which his democratic countrymen must obey the primary aesthetic challenge for melville is which his demo oh excuse me um is how an american could write a book as tragic as the great dramas of shakespeare so like there's a lot of this where this is like melville having a fight with reviewers because this is a reoccurring theme in his works Mm -hmm. um and he uh, like him fighting back and saying like oh no i i still yeah i actually believe like i'm i'm going to double down on this now yeah exactly he's um, saying he's not interested in telling a story that's not a hero narrative in that way right but it, right. it's also like it comes back down to this this thing that like we've talked about before of just like melville is like hopelessly in love with the world and, mm-hmm. and that includes like the people in it and so yeah he's talking about like you'll you'll have to forgive me if I'm like, 
if, if like the people I'm talking about, even if you might normally think of them as, you know, knaves, fool and murderers, uh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, there is like this really great and glorious, like divinity in them, mm-hmm. uh, because that is like, that is in all of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is the, the thing about like the kingly commons and, and all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's such an embodiment of dark romanticism, this yeah. paragraph, right? Settle the idea of like the, the romanticism component of you're telling these far reaching epics that are taking things and making them extraordinary and beautiful. Only in this case, He's doing it in these people who lead these very bloody and um, working lives. And that's that's where all this is coming around from. So it's, I think it's, yeah, totally. It makes sense that it's responding to a critic because it is a really good summary of what he writes about. Um, apparently some of this, especially the Andrew Jackson uh, parts, are oh, partially right. inspired by his brother, um, old, old, old Gansport, who we've talked about before. Yeah. Because um, Gansport was a Democratic orator and was in some before the the 1844 elections he was in some of the parades with andrew jackson um and that Mm. was was apparently happened like relatively soon to this book being written so it was apparently on his mind Mm -hmm. he called them mighty earthly marchings and apparently gansvort had been a guest of andrew jackson at his hermitage in nashville Mm. and there there was a a lot of this where melville was apparently had dreams of becoming deeply uh, like embedded with the like power structures um of, of the country through like andrew jackson and james k polk and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he was apparently very like ambitious about some of this stuff did you know that people used to claim that andrew jackson would rattle like a can of marbles when he walked because he had so many bullets in his body oh. i had heard that yes uh-huh so okay let me ask this He's obviously saying that he's trying to democratize the hero narrative the, or narratives about heroic figures, that he's mm-hmm. giving the common, like, ordinary person a heroic read. And with those examples, mm-hmm. like, do you think that... What, what do you think about that generally? Is that... I, I'm having a hard time having the word democratize or democracy next to that because that feels like the exact opposite. Like, like I, I, I get what he's getting at with the, like, ordinary people should be talked about in the... in the way that people like yeah. these people are. I think it's messy. Well, yeah, well, so... I, I'm trying to unpack it. It, it is. Oh, it, 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 yeah, it definitely messy. is. And I think it's kind of, like, representative of some of his other stuff where he's, like, mm-hmm. trying to get to a point but doesn't quite get there. Because, yeah. uh, like, with some of these, like, Andrew Jackson, he was, like, the not born of the, like, noble class. I think he was the first um, American president born right. in, like, the South. And he was a general and came up as a working class kind of but there is still a lot of like inherent like, stuff that helped him get into those positions of power and he obviously did many many bad things many atrocities uh-huh. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and like as soon as he was given power did like horrible things so um there is that kind of like melville getting caught up in in this narrative almost where you know he sees andrew jackson rising from like rags to riches and becoming this um, yeah. yeah, American president and this political figure, and he's like, "Well, I'm, you know, I, I can rise like that from a um, this person who had all these bad reviews in these <laughs> uh, <laughs> journals and who is a common seasman, and I can become a great." Oh, interesting. Author. You're thinking um, that, right? I hadn't considered that aspect of it that he wants that for mm-hmm. himself. Because lit- yeah, and he he literally says here, 
I shall spread a rainbow over his disastrous set of sun. Like he's just not even pretending that he's not <laughs> mm-hmm. waving a wand <laughs> to try and make all of this seem beautiful and perfect. And I think with the democracy the, thing yeah. specifically, what he's saying, which I think is actually nice, is that like in the true dream of democracy, right? Which of course it's a dream, right? Like none of this can actually, it's utopian, right. is the idea mm-hmm. that every single person gets an equal chance to be represented as something of equal worth, right? No matter where they come from. Mm-hmm. It's that everyone exists equally within the system, no matter yeah. where you're yeah. where you're born. And that's, I think, what he's trying to get at there. But yeah, he's just like, and it's, it's, it's a rainbow and it's beautiful, it's no matter how much of a mess it is, which is very Melville. But I mean, yeah. like we, we have seen this already of like, you know, this is the, you know, all of the, all of the points in which like, uh, a lot of like the queer subtext and like queer reading come into this comes from him comparing these like so there's this line uh, like I, if i shall touch that workman's arm with some ethereal light yeah he's doing all this stuff where he's comparing like we talked about this with um fuck what was the what was the logger um that he met in the bar not, not a logger you mean uh oh you mean uh, the hot guy the... Bulkington? Yeah. yeah. Bulkington, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, Bulkington yeah. used to be a, like a, a woodsman, didn't he? I think he was a sailor. Maybe maybe, maybe he used to be, but it, it, it was very maybe, much, yeah. he's been on the boats. Whatever. Right. But, yeah. but like, that's not the kind of character who would get all this kind of adulatory writing about him. Right. Most of the characters in this book are not the kind of characters who, I, you know, yeah. I, I think especially like at the time, would not get this kind of like, like he's about to compare Ahab to Perseus. Like mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. comparing all these characters to like right. Persian kings, and like he is saying like they are, yeah, they are royalty. They are they are spectacular. They are, uh, I mean, you know, they're all these things. Right, but the and thing I that find... I'm getting stuck against. Sorry, I, uh, the thing you that I'm yeah. that uh, like I'm bumping up against is that from everything that I know about this book, it is about the dangers of exalting some a, a person as a heroic figure mm-hmm. at, in Ahab. Uh, so like that, that's where the, that's where the stickiness comes in for me is that it seems like a lot of this is a cautionary tale against doing the exact thing that he's doing, except that, except unless you read it in that like metatextual way that, that he's actually talking about it as in, he wants to talk about these people like that. He doesn't want to necessarily make them into heroic figures, I guess, but I, but like he wants to, treat them as if they are except so like that that's what's that's why i asked the question no that's that's exactly to to the point that i was going to make which is just that i think that i find what he's trying to do with a lot of this admirable in terms of this sense of Mm -hmm. elevating people and giving them a due shot at a romantic uh portrayal that they haven't had before but it Mm -hmm. is so ironic that he is negating their humanity through that act right Mm. like in making them heroes and paintings and immortal pictures, I think he dehumanizes them inherently through that portrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, right. In making them these icons, they cease to be just people. And I think that's where I end up having, that's that's the rub that I have with Melville with all of this, is like Queequeg is this like <laughs> incredible person, but mm-hmm. he's romanticizing him in a way that makes him just not, just a, just a guy who's existing like he is, you know what I mean? Just another person mm-hmm. who lives in this world. Like he dehumanizes people through his romanticizing of them. He makes them into mm-hmm. just these perfect things in his brain. Um, and so I think that like, totally to your point, Carlos, like <laughs> I think he also knows that he's doing this. And there's this inevitability of the prophet 
that comes through mm-hmm. to your point, right? Like it is about mm-hmm. how you can't treat people like these, um, uh, like they are gods when they're not. But he's doing that all the while because there's this sort of prophetic, inevitable fate of, well, of course I'm going to, because that's who I am. And because of it, we're doomed, yeah. right? Like, that's just kind of the sense. And it's it's kind of like what he does with, like, whaling, too, where he talks about yes. how whaling can, like, solve colonialism or something. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't, like, <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. I, I see kind of where you're going, but I don't. You're you're almost overshooting in some ways. Yeah, God, that was a fun that was a fun chapter. Yeah. Uh, no. Yes, yeah. I, I I will say also Lat, what you what you had in that footnote that uh, does clarify some things because he yeah. does seem like a very very much a person that would do that write this because uh-huh. of that and not think about what that actually means for them. Uh, ju- just you wait, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking roast you in, the, in my next yes. book. <laughs> uh huh. And while while the whole time going, oh, okay, so so Gansvor, he's he's he's, uh-huh. he's he's getting in. This is this is my chance. This is my way to go up. Right. Um, <laughs> while also having that jealousy of God, Gansvor can do all the shit and like mm. holds everything together for me, right? Because he was the one that, that secured a, a publisher for his first book, right? And like was the one that had a successful fur trapping business, which you know failed because of the um, economic recession, whatever. Who then became a lawyer and like and now became a politician and like is this incredibly successful person. Yeah. So. I, there was probably some jealousy in there. Well, uh-huh. rip to Gansfort, because um, he's yeah. gonna fucking die. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> Unlike me, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> we will never die. Yeah, uh-huh. no. Great, great. Want to move on to the chapter twenty-seven, Knights and Squires? Wow, that's funny. I thought we already talked about what Knights, Knights and, Squires. and Squires again. Yeah. The exactly. sequel it can't be true, right? Well, what what I so it's <laughs> called that because it goes into the other mates and mm-hmm. folks on the boat. Um, I'm confused as to why chapter twenty six isn't just called like the night or mm-hmm. uh, what's uh, like Galahad or something like that. My um, my head canon is that he started writing it thinking he was going to write about all of them and then got into the the this, at the yeah, end there. That, and that was like, yeah. was like okay, we'll because I have to call out yeah. quickly this is my these favorite are really like, like, publisher. like he he does yeah. mention Stubb in that first one too so yeah. I feel like it was just like yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's 100% what happened I have to call out this is my favorite chapter transition maybe because it goes mm-hmm. <laughs> Thou who in all thy mighty earthling marchings ever cullest thy selectest champions from kingly commons, bear it mm. out in me, oh God. Stubb was the second mate. Yeah. He was a native from Cape Cod. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, that's, the, yeah. that's like, okay. So good. So I'm, good. I'm, I'm curious if this was like a, a publisher's choice or something like that. I wonder. Like, or or, just, or a, mm-hmm. a, a like editor who was reading it and was like, okay, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> We need a we'll break. just we'll, we'll just cut it here. Um, it's fine. We need some air between it yeah. and yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, this chapter we meet the, all the rest of the knights and squires. Right. So we 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 met the first mate in this last chapter, Starbuck. Now we're meeting second and third mate, and then their squires, which are the harpooners. Yeah. Starting with Stub. Yeah. Anyway, so we start up. Yeah, Starting we start with off Stubb. with Stub. I got really excited because he's yeah. Cape, mm-hmm. he's Cape Cod man. My mom is born on Cape Cod, lives on Cape Cod. I spend a lot mm. of time with her on Cape Cod with all of her um, native Cape Cod friends who remind me a lot of Stubb. It's very apt. Um, oh, the have, last time I was out with her at the Land Ho, which is the locals bar mm. in Orleans, which is on the elbow of Cape Cod. 
she introduced me to her friend who, in his heavy Cape Cod accent, like deep Massachusetts, explained to me how he, um, he has Cape Cod tattooed on his arm with instructions so that if they find his body dead in the sea, they sure. know to ship it there. Oh, <laughs> wow. So this chapter really, really That's, hit yeah. in that yeah. department that something Stubbs would right. do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what about Stubb? What's, what's, what's up? He's not afraid. He's not afraid of nothing. Nope. What he thought of death itself, there is no telling. Well, yeah. Uh, I, love, I love this quote. Long usage had for this stub converted the jaws of death into an easy chair. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Just like uh, there is. Uh, so like p- part of this for me is like trying to figure out like who, who these characters are. So like going forward, I have an easier time like understanding their their interactions. Mm-hmm. It's like Melville describes him as like happy, good, lucky, good humored and careless through all of this exposure to like death and danger and so on. And just like a kind of. I don't know, lackadaisical attitude towards it, um, which I, I think is interesting. It's okay. Well, I have some thoughts at the end of this, but we should probably talk about them separately also. So Stubb, easy going on fearing. He's up. He, Stubb has a pipe. Actually, has a Stubb has collection many, of many pipes, pipes that, yeah. that he chain smokes every morning because that's fun. Mm-hmm. Incredible. They're all lined <laughs> up on a rack all with a special. Mm-hmm. It's like he's got a special rack next to his bed where there's a fitting designed for every single pipe. And then what he does is he, I think this was before bed, right? Or is it in the morning? I think so. Before? Uh, I, I, oh, okay. I, I thought it was before bed he loaded them up so he could have pipes going yes. throughout the night. So right. he like he oh. like sits, no, but he does them all at once. Huh. which is So he like sits down at oh, bed okay. at night and he has all of his pipes perfectly lined up in this like specially designed little holder by the bed. And he chain smokes through every single one of the pipes and then carefully fills them all up again and refills the rack so that they're ready to go. And they say Mm -hmm. that um, it would be weirder Mm -hmm. to see him come out on the deck without his nose on his face than it would be to see him come out on the deck without a pipe in his mouth, which I thought was very good. Yeah, it it seems like he kept, whenever he turned in, he smoked them all out in succession. Yeah. Uh, One from the other to the end of the chapter. Uh, So yeah, just before bed, just like fucking chain smokes. Like, I don't even know how many, Pipes like six or something. Uh, in the in the in our show notes, I have uh, a photo of uh, Meryl Strife uh, from Trigun with her like <laughs> 90, 90 like one shot pistols, and that's just kind of what I'm imagining of, of him with pistols. I, I like Good. how long does a pipe last? Yeah, I feel like like I, I'm trying to figure out like in in terms of context, like how much how much like is this? I bet you can uh-huh. smoke them hard or leisurely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I bet you right, can really you know. suck them down if you're committed uh-huh. to it. I mean, it's... Sure, it's ha- yeah. It's about a cigarette worth, isn't it? Right? It's that like it? in a different shape If you and think form. about how much fits in the bowl, right? Like, yeah. it would be about a cigarette's amount, yeah. right? I, I, mm. I always thought it was more, but I have... You extrude that out into a tube, and I don't know. I mean, yeah. you can have a lot of... I guess the bowl size can vary, right? Yeah. <laughs> True, yeah, I guess <laughs> Just a giant pipe, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. this yeah. A set of <laughs> huge... Like a like and a maybe, it, you know soup soup thing soup a ladle thing. yeah a ladle, ladle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah a ladle yeah. of tobacco nice. yeah mm. oh, and I guess I, I, I've them. always thought of people like smoking like a pipe over the course of like an hour or something yeah that's always and, the vibe like, well, I, don't, do it like, I don't think I've ever thought of someone smoking a like cigarette over the course of an hour yeah. no like no. You, you you couldn't extend it out that but I don't know if that's just 
how it burns. And a full bowl of an average stuff. size pipe can last anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes wow. with the right technique. However, there's no so single, single method smoke to smoking a pipe. So I bet, I bet if he's really used to doing this, right? Like I, I bet he can suck it down in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I bet he, I bet this is yeah. like an hour, like your hour bedtime routine, sucking down six <laughs> pipes. Mm, Evening routine, God. Which is also just the thought of like him. So that's like like half a pack or something, <laughs> just. <laughs> And like down in it. Melville says, or Ishmael says, that's why he thinks he's so healthy. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because of the collar air, right? It's a disinfectant. Right. Agent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Everyone's going Stuff's around with that smoke oily. might have operated as a sort of disinfecting agent. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Did people watch uh, Mushishi? No. No. That, okay. I don't know uh, one, it's great. Uh, two, like the main character in that is constantly smoking, um, mm-hmm. and it's like a minor plot point at some point. Where it's revealed that like he's not smoking like tobacco, he's smoking like anti ghost medicine uh, <laughs> that like keeps the ghosts away. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's just ah. good. Okay, yeah. so Stubbs could be smoking anti whale. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's it's, it's 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 anti anti vibes or it's yeah, like it's right. pro vibes. Pro vibes. Uh, it's it's a it's like a vibe probiotic <laughs> in the air. It's like yogurt. It's like you're smoking I, I yogurt. I feel like, I, I I feel like for Stubbs though, that would just be tobacco. Like that's just the vibes he gives off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, T- tobacco is really the move when collar is the vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty good. Oh, yeah. God. So that's Stubb. Uh, that's we Stubb. also meet Flask, who's the third mate. Flask, dude. And he really yeah. hates whales. And fucking hates whales. Wants to fucking kill them. This is the, the ocean rat. Yeah, kill them yeah. all. Yeah. Someone mm. treating I, whales like rats is an image and a vibe. Yeah. Just being like a fucking sea rats. Like uh, this is shit. Can't imagine. Flask is from Martha's Vineyard, so all <laughs> yeah, three yeah. of the mates are locals. F- local. Well, they're from various places in America, which comes yeah. up later. They're, and like no, they're from too. I think the Cape. Like they're within like yeah. They're all right there. Like, it's yeah. a very small circle. Yeah. Like, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket are right off of Cape Cod. They're those islands, right? So it's all, they're all right there. Yes. But yeah. also, like, as opposed to, like, most of the rest of the cast who are from various uh, places yeah. around yes. the world. Yeah. Right. Or he goes, he goes he into that. About. Yep. Which he, he, he talks about. Uh-huh. Sure does. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I didn't realize there were multiple, like, towns on Martha's Vineyard. I always thought it was just, like, Martha's Vineyard, mm. um, like right. like Nantucket. So it was interesting to find out about Tisbury and then Gayhead, um, Gayhead, which yeah. Gayhead. has since had its name change. Yeah, but congrats, yeah, congrats. So uh, that that was just a neat little thing. I was like, oh, this, is, this yeah. whole this whole island. There's like multiple towns. Pulled up a map. Uh, Flask has yeah. a nickname, which is the King Post or yeah. just King Post. Mm-hmm. Sick. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is yeah, which is just like I guess it's just a thing that is bracing the ship specifically like, for ice like yeah, they put it in boats that need to push through ice and it oh. like supports the frames for ah, those interesting so it's really it's really solid yes solid little he, little post. flask is like the the bedrock on which like the rest of the crew can like get support from and, and like rely on it's just kind of how i took that yeah um it's so yeah so those are our three mates they're the they're the knights Thin it's kind of it's yeah. kind of interesting to see, like Matthew, to kind of, kind of to what you were saying. It's interesting to see Starbuck, Stub, and and Flask here, 
um, being kind of the main characteristic that that Ishmael's talking about or Melville's talking about here is like the form of bravery that they have. Right for Starbuck, it's kind of a reserved, like physical bravery, but he says that his moral courage might be not fully there. And then for like, mm-hmm. or like a tactical fear, right? Then Stubb is just a cool fearlessness and just kind of vibing. And then Flask mm-hmm. is like a, a very vindictive, aggressive courage. Almost. Yeah. So really, if you think about it, Starbuck is kind of like the warlock of the three of them. Stubb is like the hunter. Flask is like the Titan. I th- I, I thought you were gonna go back to the to the soil chart. No, and no. be like Stub. <laughs> God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, who's the warlock? You probably Starbuck? could like uh, level headedness, hmm. fear of death, anger. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Let's yeah. see. Flask would be clay. God. Is there yeah. an is, hey? Is there an id super ego, um, whatever the other one is thing going on here a little bit too? Id ego super ego, ego super, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a little bit of a Starbucks like the, the super mm-hmm. ego and yeah, Flask I, I, is like I, the I it's so it's it's the it's the it's just the Freud thing where it's like every human being has these three things inside them. It's like the ego that's sort of the balanced like thing where you are normally your id is all of your bad instincts it's like the the stuff that you want to do but you stop yourself from doing and then the super ego is like the ideal self is there a little bit of that at mm. play here where flask is this sort of like pissed off little unhinged man right and then starbuck is this moral ideal in ishmael's telling like in that previous chapter um and then flask mm. is just sort of vibing <laughs> here in the middle uh-huh. Probably a stretch, but it made it made me think about it a little no, bit. No, I see it. I see it. I see the vision. You're so right. I mean, anytime you have like a, a true of characters, yeah. there's always going to be something. They're going to balance like, into yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's a good structure. Yeah. So does that mean we all have a warlock hunter and titan inside us? Oh my god, so true. No. Warlock. Maybe maybe a little stable. The most stable configuration. <laughs> um, I think it's um really satisfying that each of them gets a harpooner too like the team up the yes. fact that it's, it's like, like yeah it's like fire emblem like yeah. it's like oh here's you Ooh. and here's your adjutants and you're like here like it's such a good team like i think starbug <laughs> starbug starbuck <laughs> and queequeg what a fucking hot girl they, team that is holy way, shit yeah they're both they're both kind of into the fasting vibe i just realized yes. that See, yeah. they have, yeah. they have, yeah. They're, they're oh my God, it's Pacific Rim. I don't so remember true. enough of that movie. Yeah. Well, but no, because there's a hierarchy here, and that's not that's not Pacific Rim vibes. You're right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, where they're like, there's two yeah. pilots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pacific Rim compatible. Peers. Yeah. And this they, is not that. This is not that. But wouldn't it, it be? Not. But I, I, I like the, in the sense that it's not the power dynamic ruins it, which is you know sad. But um, the whole idea of like, oh, we can work really well together because we're sort of like in the same we have to hunt this whale together and we're the two main people who are responsible for like making this thing happen so we have to be synced up in terms of our like approach and how we're going to go yeah. about this yeah mm-hmm. it's satisfying yeah. uh now do you think that the mates and their harpooners are do they have a pokemon relationship or a digimon relationship mm. what's the difference mm. so a pokemon relationship is the the like the trainer and their pokemon they are echoes of each other like Ash mm. and Pikachu are the same thing, but in different, like expressed in different forms. They have the same identity. They have the same personality. Right. Whereas a Digimon is like a yin yang thing where it's like the, 
your like your Digimon mm. trainer and their like Digimon are like they're there to Opposites. like be a foil to each other and like bring mm. out like if if someone is like I need to learn patience, so their Digimon is going to be a very patient character, and then mm-hmm. but they may also need to like meet in the middle in some way. I think Cyberbuck is Ahab's Digimon. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be super honest. Fair. No idea because these he just wanted to be racist. I don't know enough yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also crazy. true. Yeah, I, I I did have the image uh, of like Jojo image of like Starbuck coming out and pointing and then oh, yeah. Queequeg is his stand coming uh-huh. in behind <laughs> and throwing the harpoon. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, now, a stand yeah. is also a Pokemon. It sucks how it right. Um, okay. I right. mean, this yeah. is inevitable because of the time in which this was written and like the truth of the whaling industry. But it sucks that we get all these people of color feeling like tool extensions to these Yes. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a bummer side effect. Yeah. Yes. Because they're cool. Which, they're they sound like cool guys. Let's be fucking yeah. real. These yeah. these yes. three these three harpooners, they sound like fucking cool dudes. Like that is a mm. that is a sweet crew. And it's um yeah, it's a bummer that there's that <laughs> very exotification uh lens on it as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh so our our harpooners are Queequeg, Teshtigo, and Dagu. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, serving under Starbuck, Teshtigo serving under Stub, and Dagu is serving under Flask. And the thing, uh, the combo, right? And correct, I want to make sure I'm getting this right because I want to be able to picture it well. Is like, so the mate runs the boat, right? So the mate's mm-hmm. the one who's like at the head of the boat giving the direction, sort of like a mini captain when they take the boat out to go whaling. And then the harpooner's job is to chuck the harpoon into the whale so that they can reel themselves into the whale. And then the mate's job is to use the actual big knife to kill the whale. Right. I'm not sure. Cause it says in here, right. He's always accompanied by his boat steerer or harpooner who in certain conjectures provides him with a fresh lance when the former one is badly twisted or elbowed in on the assault. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, but so, the lance like, is what he uses to kill the whale. That's not the harpoon. Because the, yeah. the no, mate, that, the mate kills the whale. The the lance stuff is like that's metaphor. Like he's talking about them in terms of like knights and squires, and oh, okay. he's talking about like uh, a knight has a lance, and if the lance mm. is like bent or or you know elbowed, then like the squire's job is to like resupply them in that way. Oh, okay, I'm not mm. actually sure that that's. I might What's be jumping the gun a here? bit too because I'm sure yeah. we'll hear exactly how a whale hunt happens yeah. soon enough. I, I, I feel like there is something that comes up later in, in one of the hunts with one of yeah. the mates doing, yeah, subverting roles and things. Okay. Um, they were they were as a picked trio of lancers, even as the harpooners were flingers of, of javelins, mm. as the, the audiobook. Javelins. Uh, <laughs> javelins. There. Sure. Javelins. Um, so, yeah, like, th- th- it's kind of confusing because they're talking about lances, which is metaphorical. Um, right. But I, I believe it's the harpooners who are harpooneering and but actually throwing. Mm. No, but there are two things happening. There's the harpooning, which is just to catch up to the whale. That's not how the whale dies. The whale dies mm. because someone cuts into it with a huge, huge knife to kill it. And I mm. believe that's the shipmate's job. That's, the, that's what the mates oh. do. Right, so the harpoon has a rope. You exactly. do that and then you pull yeah. pull the boat yes. to it. It's just right. designed to okay. stick That's into the cool. whale so you can get close enough that someone can use a big fucking knife to kill it, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. 
What if the whale is underwater? Most well, that's the, that's that's why you um, harpoon it and it tires itself out. Oh, it's like fishing. Yeah. Okay. So Matt's got a book showing us mm-hmm. showing us yes. pictures, illustrations. So yeah, the those first two um, are the harpoons where they're kind of designed to stick in. So like that one and that one, almost like fish right. hooks, right? So get stuck under the skin, and then that one would be the lance that they use at the end, exactly, which is just big. Wait, is it- a big spear designed for making a big hole. Is it actually called a lance? That kind of stuff. Yep, it's called a lance. Oh, okay. so it's both literal yep. and, and And then you can apparently, it's it's got the same socket. I, I really don't know how well oh, my webcam is focusing Swappable. on this. But exactly, they got the same socket. So you wow. can switch between the single fluted iron, two fluted iron, or the lance. Nice. Like golf. The same. Okay. Just yeah. like golf. Yeah. Just, like just like golf, yeah, where you, you take know the you, heads yeah, off the golf You don't club. do this? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. How much birdie wing? I know how golf is played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, true. By the way, so yeah, Tejtigo, then we meet Dagu, who's Flask Squire, and I think makes Flask look like like, like a nerd. Is that, Am I reading that well, wrong? So what do I you think, mean by chess this, this, this kind of goes combo. into the um, the relationship, right? Where I think a, a like... Starbuck and Queequeg could have a Pokemon relationship where they like complement each other yeah. um, and are very similar. And then, so Flask is described as very small and and um, Dagoo's like very tall and large. And they say they make like an almost comical like couple. And he calls like, him a chess man, different. which I took as he's a nerd. And no, just little, like no, a pawn. Just small. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like this dude plays pawn. chess. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah, hey, uh, hey, check out the fucking chess man over here. What a what a fucking noise. <laughs> Tashtigo is a native uh, a native guy from Martha's Vineyard. So we've heard a little mm-hmm. bit yes. about this group of American Indians that still lives in Martha's Vineyard. There's still a small community on the on the edge of the island um, where the yes. woman was from is... who prophesied that Ahab was not going to have a good time. Um, who said that he was cursed? Mm-hmm. I believe it's the same community. Yep. Mm. This is Ahab, Tush- which is on Nantucket. No, no, no this Martha's is, this Vineyard. This is on Martha's yeah. Vineyard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, this is on the western side of Martha's Vineyard. It's Gayhead, which um, in 1997, by a popular vote of 79 to 21, was changed uh, to be named uh, Aquina. Oh, lame. Um, okay. Which is a, the, the native. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's better. Oh, no, that's anyway. that's chill. Sorry. I thought they yeah. were just changing it because they didn't like gay head anymore. Like, okay, no, no, go. no, no. No, no, that sounds like a good thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good that's, renaming. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yep. It's it's also funny that the, the vote was 79 to 21, so it was a real, like, the whole the whole city turned out for this one. Oh, Is that a percentage? Or oh, oh, I thought that no, was no. no, those no? Are, those are absolute no. numbers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, that's yeah. more people that live in my hometown. Uh, apparently, the the population has gone up in 2020 though to 439. Wow, mm. much yeah. bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, so like this oh, is this website. is we get a lot of like interesting comparisons. Uh, yeah. So Tashtigo, there's this there's this note here where like there's the comparison to like the prince of the powers of the air, uh, which is uh, Satan. But right. comparing him to Satan because he's so hot. Y- which yes. is the which is so or, quintessentially mm-hmm. messily Melville, right? Like, yes. mm-hmm. like to look oh, at the yeah. tawny brawn of his lithe, snaky limbs. You would stop. have believed, like, yeah, Melville. Like, stop. Uh, like, that's <laughs> a lot. It's it's yeah. It's this it's this like doubly loaded thing where it's like it is 
this almost heroic depiction but it is at the same time like comparing them to like being like of the devil it's which, the most yeah. classic exotification right like that's yeah. the whole the whole description yeah. for for these guys yeah and then Adagu gets compared to uh Hoswaris, uh, who is a biblical king of persia um so yeah mm-hmm. but <laughs> uh, that is also um comes from the bible of course because yeah. it's from esther and is the Persian king who marries Esther's and spares the Jews. Uh, Melville attributes to him a size uh, commensurate with his kingdom, which stretched from India to Ethiopia. So mm-hmm. it could just be a size thing again. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Degu has huge gold earrings. Yes. Those are big. The size of the, the what's it called, that the, the ropes go through? The, the, ring, um, the ring bolt. The ring bolt, ring bolt. And I know size. this because well, I is... had a DD character named Ring Bolt Hitching. Mm-hmm. Good name. That is that. That is what the sailors called it. We, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's the, the comparison that's like, yeah. size wise is right. just that. That's how. That's how big the earrings are, which is pretty, yeah. pretty large. And then and risky business. Like you got to be. I don't know. You got to be confident walking uh-huh. around on a boat <laughs> with big earrings. Yeah, and he is six five. So big guy. Very large. And that, that's is that everyone we meet in this chapter? I think so. That's, yeah. that's the cast. Um, there's there's other stuff about. Is that uh, everybody actually? Stuff. Like, is that main main, um, main characters? There's a quick allusion yeah. to another character that's gonna get like a whole a whole bunch yeah. of little chapter focuses later. Uh, so. We haven't we haven't met Ahab. No, no, yet at this Not point. Yet. So. Yeah. But, oh right, uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, also, also, mm-hmm. also Ahab. I guess. Yeah. 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 True. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yes, and there is there is the mention of of Pip. Um, Pip. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. There. Aside from that, there is like towards the end of this chapter, there is the stuff about like uh, how islanders are better sailors yeah. um, and all that stuff. And well, and I, there's there's also the part where he's like, ah, oh, man, this is so representative of America, yeah. you know, and how great yeah. America is because you've mm-hmm. got all these like foreigners who provide the muscle, and then quote yeah. unquote because in all these cases, Native Americans liberally provides the brains and the rest of the world as generously supplying the muscle. Yes. Extremely so isn't, isn't that great? I mean, uh, that's, that's so good. Mm-hmm. That's how America works. This, this was like a talking point for, for a long time. This like, mm-hmm. uh, this very racist talking point of like yeah. calling native, referring to native Americans as like white basically people. white people who were born yeah. in America yeah. um, of, of, of English descent. Almost yes. Entirely. Yeah. Uh, which, Yes, uh, sucks especially when we're talking about like also Tashtigo is there, who mm-hmm. yeah. an actual Native uh-huh. American. But that's yeah. like, but that's his entire yeah. point is that like, isn't it great that we have all of these incredible assets from all around the world, and still uh-huh. we can rely on these quote unquote Native Americans to be yes. in control <laughs> of the situation uh-huh. and making yeah. sure everything goes the way that it should. It's just, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it sucks. It, it sucks to feel how. Um, he writes this very cozy. He writes this like he mm-hmm. feels so assured and safe because this is the mm-hmm. situation. And he mm-hmm. feels very um, proud that this is the situation. Yeah. Makes him, it yeah. feels like, it reads as like, I'm proud that this is what America is. Right. Yes. What a, what a glorious configuration. And yeah. Yeah. See, see, see how modern we are. We're all working together. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a later point where he talks about the Islanders and he apparently right. invents the word, Isolato, oh, uh, boy, yeah. combining which is a, a portmanteau with um, isolated and island. Right, which is again, I feel like we probably talked about this when we were talking about Queequeg, but is again yes. trying to group a bunch of mm. different people all together into, un, under one thing, except he finally <laughs> figured out a real term for that, I guess. 
yes, people who live in like the Azores and people that live in the the, the island above Scotland. I can't find it. Shetland Islands. There it is. So the the Parmoby um, note footnote for Isolados is a made up name for the isolated place where whalemen come from. Uh, <laughs> that, <mean? laughs> that place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the way whalemen. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, I guess. I, I at a scheme it sounds like there's some other stuff going on with this term. Uh I don't know if that predates or like postdates this, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about the whole Knights and Squires description here? Because I, I you think mean there's the a metaphor? couple things. Yeah, the metaphor. I like again it's kind of going back to the hero thing. Um that it's giving them kind of an importance stemming from their like mm-hmm. courage or their strength, all the knights and yeah. And the squires, like when when he does talk about the actual harpooners, he does talk about them in terms of their strength, right? Right. Uh, but it's also obviously kind of the the opposite side of it is that it's reifying or kind of strengthening also the hierarchy of the Pequod, right? Because they're all bound to the king as knights and squires, right. who is Ahab. So what do you what do you think of? I actually sorry, <laughs> I actually have another thing about this. Mm-hmm. Which is the squire thing. The squire and Parmovida calls defines squires as like a young nobleman who acts as an attendant to a knight before becoming a knight himself. Mm-hmm. Is that him being? Oh, look at all these people I'm being racist against, but it's okay because they're squires, and that means that they might be knights in the future. Or do you think he just thought of the term and was like, yeah, this sounds cool? I th- I think he thought of the term and almost thought of it as like, ah, uh, aren't we nice to take these people under our wing and like teach them things? Um, right, but not not necessarily that they'd ever actually be elevated to the rank of a first mate. But you know, I think he treats it like they of course wouldn't. I think he thinks about it like we're all in an incredible adventure together. Like, isn't this a great romantic adventure we're all on? The knights and the squires and the dragons that we're gonna go hunt, right? Like, I think in his mind it's like we're all together in this. And then I think it's yep. incredibly telling that the metaphor he picks for that is like one that's emblematic of monarchy when he just spent the past mm-hmm. chapter talking about how high he is on democracy and <laughs> one that's right. incredibly caste right. oriented when he did mm-hmm. that entire democratic yeah. thing, the thing before, but he's still so lost in the romance sauce of it all that that doesn't come to the surface. Yeah. I, I do think there mm-hmm. is that like the, the point of the, the ship's setup is very hierarchical yeah. though. Yeah, that's true. And I think that 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 does reflect here, where I, I think you, all of this other context aside, to some extent, there would always be like the the mates in order of mm-hmm. like importance with the harpooners directly below them, and that's reflected in like the the amount that uh, Queequeg's getting paid by being like right. the harpooner for the first mate. Like it's why he's getting, I forget what his lay is, but a, a very high lay. So there is some of that where I think hierarchical hierarchical. Um, yeah. that, that, that makes sense. But yeah, obviously all of the like then subtext of the monarchy and everything else plays into it. There's, um, I, I think this changes dramatically based on, so in the year 2023, uh, mm-hmm. in which we are reading this, like mm-hmm. our, under, my understanding of like a squire in popular culture is, uh, it's like, uh, a stable boy or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Where it's like, it is like, you are here to do menial work. And Dibs is shaking their head. Um, where, so the footnote, the footnote notes like a young nobleman, which like, I think that is, that's not how I understand any popular culture now, but I think that that is a big mm. difference between how we might read that because 
to, to say that these are squires says that they are noble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which yeah. they're like the rich kid business boy intern. That's how I think of squires, mm-hmm. right? It's like I your see. rich dad right. puts you in this company as an internship so you can get your resume good for when you inevitably get placed well in a nice cushy job. Right. I see. Yeah, because I, I still think they're elevated. Like the the squires are still on in, in like a um, medieval whatever would still be like on the front lines ordering people around and mm-hmm. Melville would be the stable boy like mucking out like yes. after the horses and de- dealing with the shit and everything. Yeah. They, they're, they're still elevated like above the normal crewmen. Um, yeah. That maybe gets a little more complicated than I'm, there's a thing that I think comes later that I'll, I'll dance around, yeah. but just like, um, no, you can say, okay, by the way, another thing that happened, I got spoiled on Moby Dick from a Metal Gear Solid five video essay. <laughs> Over the last year, so I'm good. Oh, okay. Y'all could... <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I don't know if the people who are reading along. Uh, or, or yeah, right, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, make sure uh, if, if you're reading along, <laughs> avoid Metal Gear Solid Five video essays. Careful. Yes. Or Cautionary game, tale. Guess, but yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. but like we don't we don't really know a lot about these these harpooners aside from just like like each of them gets like a paragraph of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, aside from like we like we've we've kind of known a little bit about already. I'm I'm trying to remember if a thing I'm thinking about has happened or yeah. not. Um, oh, we this has happened. Yeah. So like we know we know where Queequeg comes from. Is Maori? Yeah. yeah, the royalty stuff, right. all that. Yeah, his father was a high chief, yeah, a king, yeah, yeah. and he yeah. is like the wandering prince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. like the kind of what Queequeg has been framed as. It's just like Dunk and Egg. Right. What? What? Y'all know Dunk and Egg? No. Dunk and Egg? Dunk and Egg is all right. It's a George R. R. Martin series of short stories. And in my opinion, if George R. R. Martin uh, never yeah. did Winds of Winter and all that shit, and he could just stop doing the Game of Thrones series and instead just do more Dunkin' Egg short stories, I'd be extremely happy because yeah. they're good. Um, Dunkin' Egg sounds like a fake name I would make up. About. It is. Yeah, is that, is that yeah. two words? That is what Dunkin it is. It's a, it's a, it's a okay. fake name for a rich kid. So in any case, so the, 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 the storyline is that Dunk is a hedge knight, a hedge knight. Um, and he's like a poor knight, right? A hedge, a hedge knight is like, you don't have like a, a noble sponsor. You just are sort of more like a country knight. Um, and he's going on these adventures, just being a good guy. It's a himbo story. He's just a big kind guy and he mm-hmm. falls into adventures and mm-hmm. he has a squire named egg, which is why I have this association with Squires. Egg's called Egg because he has a bald head, but Egg is also called Egg because it's the name that he's made up for himself because he is actually the heir to the throne. He's a Targaryen <sighs> princeling who's shaved all his head off, his hair off so no one recognizes him. And he accompanies um, Dunk as a way to learn what it is to be a good person um, before uh-huh. he becomes a king. And, oh, um, sorry. Dunk and Egg. Yeah. I thought you were Dunkin saying dunking egg. egg. Oh. I, 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 I heard dunking egg. Dunking an egg. Like, yeah, in, like, I heard dunking you like and the K- name. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. go dunking egg, buddy. Hey, yeah. dunking egg. Dunking egg. Yeah. But wow. in any case, it reminds me a little bit of Queequeg. Uh, anyway, he's a so, yeah, in, who's traveling chapter, the world as a squire. Yes, right. So, so in I'm chapter just, 12, uh, we learn that Queequeg is like, like, Melville straight up compares him to royalty. He yeah. says, like, he is, he is. Well, he says he is royalty, right? He says, yes, there's. There was excellent blood in his veins, royal stuff. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. He goes on to so it, hedge that a bit. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, to then say, like, he is a squire, 
I mean, like the uh, the whole power dynamic thing. Of course, I could I could do without. But like he is saying, like again, these people are like noble. Uh, right. If he is, we don't know a lot about Tashtigo or or Dagu yet. But we could then like expand that to them. Well, I mean, um, he yeah. does. Like, yes, these are we know about. He, yeah. he does in those paragraphs, though. It's his whole thing where he he makes people sound as heroic as he wants them to sound by right. comparing them in all of these monarchy terms um and he does that with both of them as soon as we meet them right he's like these are princely people and that's why you should care more right i mean that that was what i was kind of getting at was do you think that the the squire is an actual or like the metaphor of the squire is an actual positive thing is he trying to do the hero thing here too or is it just a convenient metaphor but i think think he's trying to yeah i I think he's trying to i think it's complicated by all of the stuff, yeah. All of the all of the stuff that surrounds it, but you know, yeah. to, to say that like Teshtigo is like, uh, you know, of the the prince of the power of the air is like, is to say he is princely. It is also in the same breath to say that he is like of of the devil, you know. To yeah. to compare like Daegu to like a Persian king is in the same sense to like compare him to like say he is King Lee, but. Also, I mean, my, my biblical history is not especially up to date, but I don't think the the Bible especially looked well upon uh-huh. the Persians. So, I didn't. Right, it's yeah. like a, <laughs> it's a lower form of royalty. I mean, that's kind of what he did for Quee Quick too, right? It's not, it's not the actual British. Yeah, he's not an actual king. No. Yeah. Right, they are. Yeah. They are. You know, in the same way that it is like trying to say that they are. You know, like uh, the look of the the big air quotes native americans are supplying the brain power and like uh, people from like foreigners are providing the muscle it is it is like comparing them to like quote unquote foreign like royalty in in that way which is like very deeply rooted in you know the sort of like like whiteness and and stuff like that that is like like rampant throughout a lot of these descriptions Enter Ahab. It's just Ahab, right? Is it Enter no, it's Ahab? Just Ahab. Yeah, oh, it's just Ahab. Ah, shit. 2028 is Ahab. <laughs> Ahab. <laughs> Ahab. Uh, Moby Dick. I'm so Moby excited Moby that we get to meet Ahab. <laughs> yeah. I know. So what happens here? They are they are sailing south from Nantucket, where they left, and they left at Christmas, so it is getting warmer because they're heading into more, more southerly seas. Yeah, they're near the equator, right? And near Ecuador, specific. Yeah, it's cool. He's talking about how, like, it's in this chapter, right? Where he's talking about how it's, um... No, it's the next one. Never mind. But in the next one, he talks about how it's really hard to decide whether you want to be on watch during the night or the day, because they're both incredibly beautiful for different reasons. Like, Mm. during the day, you get to see these, like pink snowy hills everywhere and during the night the sky is like covered in stars and it's incredible and so it's like hard to choose and it was very romantic feeling but as they're getting Mm -hmm. warmer weather ahab starts to emerge from his Mm -hmm. uh uh, my note here is that ahab starts to enter island time yeah Um, so true yeah Yeah. um ahab Uh also we start we start getting descriptions of ahab uh he gets uh compared to a bronze statue of uh, Perseus, uh, who who slayed Medusa, um, Perseus was a god. Is that true? No, nope. it might have been a son of a god. But Perseus, so this I believe this exact sculpture that he's talking about is the one that's in the Florentine Square, um, which is a beautiful sculpture, and it's also absolutely not 
I gotta say, it's kind of the exact opposite of how I picture Ahab mentally for me. Mm. Like this, this sculpture mm. is very much of like a Greek ideal of a 17 year old boy holding right. a Medusa's <laughs> head, which is um, not what I picture for Ahab with no. the remaining no. part of this chapter. No. He's like, he's over 40, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's definitely, definitely yeah. over 40. I mean, he has like all gray hair. Uh, Perseus was the son of Zeus. Uh, so he was he was half half god demigod half, half demigod? demigod yeah although I will say like I don't, I don't know if he's actually over forty because I feel like I don't, he's I, just stressed I, I don't know what the uh, like life expectancy is at these times but you know how you see those pictures of like old people and they're like oh yeah this person's twenty three twenty four yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ahab who is sixteen yeah <laughs> so there's there's a line here uh, once this is hearsay e. Uh, once Tashigo Sr., an old gay head Indian among the crew, superstitiously asserted that not till he was full 40 years old did Ahab mm. become that way branded. Right. So he uh, is. And then it came upon older. him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Because so we should talk about the brand. Yeah. Well, first, so like Ishmael's been stressed, right? Because yes. he has continued to not see Ahab and he's beginning yep. mm-hmm. to have those. I love the way he describes it as when your anxieties catch you, you know, and then like suddenly things that were normal, like really are worrying you immensely. Yep. You know, those moments where it's just like, mm-hmm. I always think about the comic where it's the the silhouette of a human being, right? And the anxiety is like liquid filling it and it's halfway down. And then when the uh-huh. person lies to the side, right, the liquid pours into the brain and that's when the anxieties <laughs> catch yeah. you when you lie down. And Ahab is going through this with the um, things that he heard from Elijah on the dock, right? He's like, yes. Oh, I, I don't believe Elijah. Like he was just a scam artist, but man, I am getting a little stressed now that I haven't seen the captain in a really long time. And then mm-hmm. one day he just like is out on the deck, and holy shit, there's Ahab, like just yeah. there, like Shivers this promontory down of stone. Yeah, yeah. And he's um, yeah, he's got a big scar. So yeah, calls out two things. One of those is a long rod-like mark running down his face and neck. That he says looks like, quote, that perpendicular seam sometimes made in the straight, lofty trunk of a great tree when the upper lightning tearingly darts down it. I love I'm envisioning this as like an Elden Ring boss or like <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. Dark Souls 3 when you eat an ember and your character is like burning, you know, like sure. the, the scar is like burning always. That's um, that sounds cool. We, we cool. get a lot of comparisons to uh, from Ahab gets compared to a tree in, in a couple yes. places here in these chapters. Yeah. Um, right, just like a very like stoic man, mm-hmm. I suppose who who like bears these scars, um, both both the mark on his face, but also just like his uh, his his leg tree that won't go down, right? Like that's the whole thing with those scars on trees is that they get hit by lightning, and instead of just yes. exploding into flames, they just have this big scar. Yeah. yeah, and then almost get stronger by something like normally having the the. The peg leg would mean that he's less secure on on the the deck, right? Mm-hmm. But then he makes it to where he's like drills these holes into the deck for his yeah. peg legs, becomes right. even more a part of the ship and even more immobile. Mm-hmm. So um, true. Yeah, I love that pivot holes. I love that this image is that all... that word is. Yeah. So we can just slot in, turn around. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, we get the scar. We get the the leg out of what was it? Ivory. Which is fucking yes. nuts, by the way. The fact that he has an ivory leg and that he sits on this mm-hmm. ivory stool. Like, I was going to look up how much that would actually be worth. Like, a full lower leg <laughs> made of ivory and a stool carved out of ivory. I mean, different times, but it's my true. God. 
Yeah. Well, I'm I'm wondering. Yes, it probably was, but uh, like it might have also been the cheapest thing for a whalesman. <laughs> yeah. Where like I don't I I assume they can't bring the entire whale carcass, like all of the bones. So right. they they got to throw some away. Um, so. <laughs> and like there's there's no trees out there. Yeah. Um, True. It's it's oh. like one of those things that might be like a completely different world where it's like yeah. Of course it's ivory. Yeah, sorry. No trees, but his quiver of masts that he keeps in case their ship gets demasted, which is yeah. wild. Because uh-huh. that, 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 that happened before. Yeah. In yeah, Japan. Off the coast of Japan. Yeah. Uh yeah, there was the like the ship was dismasted off the coast of Japan. This came up before. Uh and then also he was dismasted in his leg getting yeah. getting yeah. Right. Well. Is the scar from the same thing? And this is all with Moby, right? This is all. The, I, I don't un- think it's revealed the scar. No, the scar is a mystery. We don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we don't know yeah. yet. They allude okay. to the that's fact what, that it's going to become more yeah, of a thing. Mm-hmm. But that's, sure. that's what the uh, the um, uh, native person said, where they were like, "Yeah, you know, it, it just appeared magically when he turned forty or something like that." Um, but it, it's all like hearsay and mm, rumors. Okay. The 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 thing of the scar is, is again, it's it's hearsay, but. Uh, it was not in the fury of any mortal fray, but in an elemental strife at sea, uh, which uh-huh. sounds like he was struck by lightning, but maybe that's just because that's kind of what we're talking about. No, with the tree, it's, but. it's very intentionally left ambiguous. Like he says, I think yeah. right after that, like, and that was something we would hear more about as the voyage went on. Um, yeah. I got to say, I really love how this whole thing has the energy of like, we don't even get to see Ahab when we're close to home. Like he mm. is a creature of this mythical suspension of reality and this um, world that exists at sea under this different shaped God that Melville is sort of invoking for us. Like we don't even get Mm -hmm. to see this, uh, this saint, this like totem, you know, that we've come Mm -hmm. to feel Ahab represents for this God until we are so far out in the ocean that there's not even a trace of home. And that's when he finally gets to like, come out on deck and like reveal himself to us when we're deep right. in that alternate reality of this world at sea. Well, it's almost like he's lost some of his humanity because he, he can't exist at home anymore yeah, where like he doesn't want to be there with his family or interact. You know, it's only when he's out at sea that he's truly alive yeah. anymore. Uh, there's, there's this little bit here that I think is just very weird where there is, there's someone from the Isle of Man on the ship mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who says that with no particular basis that, like, someone will find a birthmark on Captain Ahab from crown to soul when, when he is one day dead. Mm-hmm. And there is the there's like this thing where it's like the old sea traditions and the immemorial credu- credulities popularly invested this old manxman with preternatural powers of discernment. It's just like, if you're from the Isle of Man, you can just, like, say shit. Everyone's just like, yeah, <laughs> he's from the Isle of Man, dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's real. Manxman. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> I, I like this. I, it's a pretty striking chapter after we've had two chapters talking about, like, different people's perceptions of danger or or how they act in the face of danger and, like, bravery and then seeing for the first time, like actually seeing consequence here. Obviously, we don't know about the scar, but I don't, you know, the, when I was reading it, I just kind of imagined that was Moby. But we still know about the leg and that consequence, like actually being reflected on his body. That being the first thing we see when we when we meet him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like this a lot. Cool. Anything else? 
All right. All right. Moving on to Enter Ahab, to him, Stub. This is apparently the first of the book's use of the form and language of plays. Mm-hmm. Um, in accordance with Ishmael's strategy of presenting Ahab as a tragic hero whose greatness he, as a dramatist to some extent, discovers and even creates, which he, we'll go into more later. It's so fascinating this comes with such a powerful, omniscient perspective shift for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. How it's a complete pivot. Like, I think it's really cool that it comes at this point, too, where we've seen... Ahab emerges, and I think when Ahab emerges, that's our cue as readers to know we are no Mm. longer within the bounds and rules of home. We are in the bounds and Mm -hmm. rules of the sea. And that's also when Ishmael suddenly, or Melville, starts writing fully omniscient. Like, he's writing about, like, what everyone is thinking. There's an internal narrative for all the characters that Ishmael could Mm. not possibly be party to. So it's almost like this... um, ghost of the play this narrator version of ishmael then suddenly becomes our primary touch point and perspective into the story because now we are in the world of sea and not the world of home and this um play narrative approach allows us to have that distinct and different omniscient perspective now that we are in another world with different rules Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh this is also we've talked about like Ahab versus Ishmael as like having each having like their own direction in this in this book, right? I feel like this is How a thing that mean? I've talked about before, but just like like generally and like we're starting to see this here. Ahab is a force of linearity. Ahab is a force of like forward momentum for the narrative, for like like come with me, we will and we I will drag you along to our final destination, which is like the the end of this play, the end of this story. And Ishmael is, like, the force of tangents and the force of, like, mm-hmm. sideways progress of just, like, let's talk about rope, actually. Um, right. And, like, we, we see this here um, a, a little bit of just, like, I think, actually, this might be might, might be in our, our next chapters, but just, like, we're, we're, Ahab pulls us forward and Ishmael says, like, no, let's, let's take a side trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, ha- this will be happening again and again and again. And it's, it's, uh, to me, it's one of the ways that like, uh, f- for, for me, this is, this is like an element of like queer formalism of just like, um, you know, there is this like forward linear progression, which is like of, of the norm and things like that. And then there is this other force that just says like, no, we can go wherever we want. We can do whatever we want. We can talk about, uh, you know, like, you know, the history of desks for an entire chapter. We can talk about mm-hmm. whales and, and stuff like that. So that's it. That's all I got. I've probably talked about that before, but it's worth mentioning again here. But I think like that, yeah. that, that notion that like the writing style, like this move into omniscience, um, mm-hmm. where I think this is where we also start to get like more like stagecraft kind of like starting to like get whisked into the batter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I, I think like that is all, that comes along along with that. Ahab also talks hmm. about in this how he is um, out on the deck all the time because going yeah. to bed feels like going into his grave. Mm-hmm. He says, no thanks. So during this instance, he's not in bed. He's up right. more no. and more. Um, this is where they're near the capital of Ecuador. Uh, and yeah. he's yeah. walking around. And I thought this was incredibly cute, this thing that I guess it makes a lot of sense because a boat would be loud, but... Ishmael talks about how everyone has to be careful not to wake up sleeping folks on the boat. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just chucking a rope down from a high place, like if, you know, people are sleeping, you have to be quiet about it. Um, 
And mm-hmm. Ahab, meanwhile, is just uh, stomping around on his on his ivory leg in a way that's mm-hmm. very loud and that makes it hard for people to sleep, including Stubb, who is like, fuck it, comes upstairs, mm-hmm. is like, hey, I'm trying to sleep, stop walking around uh-huh. so loud. He says it nice. Mm-hmm. Stubb's great. Like, yeah. do we? does everyone like Stubb so far? I love yes. the, yeah, I love Stubb. Love the, the, the audiobook performance of Stubb is very uh, charming also. Um, it's very like, uh, I don't know, kind of friendly and kind of like hesitating in a certain way. And, and yeah. It's incredible. I mean, this goes back mm. to the, the play thing, but Stubb reads like he was written to be read aloud. Like it's incredible. Like I can just hear mm. all of his dialogue perfectly, like in this yeah. old timey yeah. Cape Cod accent. Like it's just so perfectly um the rhythm of it and the the cadence and the way it flows melville just does i think he does a really a really incredible job with that but um ahab gets mad and he's like (laughs) uh tells him like oh stubb's really cute stubb's like hey you can walk around like no shade can we put like some cotton around the bottom Mm -hmm. of your peg leg so that it's not loud Mm -hmm. and ahab just fucking flies off the handle and is like, am I a cannonball stub that thou wouldst wad me in that fashion? But go thy ways, I had forgot below to thy nightly grave, where such ye sleep between shrouds to use ye filling at one last down dog in kennel, which is such a good way to end an insult. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. And yeah. Stubb's like, Stubbs hey, you can't like talk that. to me like that. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I, I do, but less than half Somebody. like it, sir. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> less than it's half. It's so cute. Which good for him to just immediately yeah. be like, "Hey, fuck you! Mm-hmm. You can't just yell yes. at me!" Like, God, yes. I will, I will not True. tamely be called a dog, sir. Yeah. Uh, at which then, point, Ahab uh, says, "Well, I'll call you a donkey ten times, and then a mule, and then an ass, and get the fuck out, or I'll clear the world of thee." <laughs> just like Monster Hunter. Um, so good. God. I was never served so before without giving a hard blow for it. <laughs> uh, I've never been chewed out right. like this without also being physically hit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. I, I think he goes on to say, so, like, yeah. I wish he had kicked me. Well, uh, yeah. He's right, because he feels weird. Like He feels weird. Yeah. He might as well he's... have kicked me and done with it. Maybe he did kick me and I didn't observe it. I was so taken all aback with his brow somehow. Well, Stubbs is uh, Stubbs is really shocked because he's like, I would fight someone for talking to me like this, right? Like, I just don't take mm. this shit. It's a rude way to talk to people. Like, no. Yes. But then he says, but in the moment, I didn't want to fight him. I wanted to pray for him, which is so weird because I've never prayed in my life. Well, but also he does this like, um, Ahab says, like, I'll clear the world of ye, uh, and then, like, kind of, like, jumps at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Ahab advanced upon him with such overbearing terrors in his aspect that Stubb involuntarily retreated. Uh, Stubb goes downstairs, has on his way downstairs, and he basically has, like, this, like, uh, is it a soliloquy when you're, like, talking to the audience yeah. by yourself in a play? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this, like, whole big paragraph where he's, like, talking to himself and working out his thoughts. He's saying it out loud like it is a play, it is not yeah. like like Stubb looked at the world around. It. It's, no, it's it's fully externalized in that way, which is which is very strange. But yeah, interesting. It's great though. This is so good. And then he kind of just wants to figure out 
Uh, so yeah, it's just a weird situation. He feels weird after. He feels like Ahab's kind of weird, and he wants to know why he's so weird. It's it's like a it's like a difference to how Ishmael usually reacts to, to it, or I would think Ishmael would react to a situation like this. Stubbs seems really comfortable to live in his uncertainty. Not comfortable, because he really chews this for a while, but he's like, he says, yeah. you know, I'll see how this plaguey juggling thinks over in the daylight. Mm. Like, he's not going to lose sleep over right. it. He's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go to bed. Um, he says, damn me, but all things are queer, come to think of them. Right? Like, he just sort yeah. of is like, yeah, exactly. trying to, to place it for himself mm. mentally. And yeah. then he's like, well, I'll just sleep on it. It's not a big deal. And I'll see how I'm feeling uh, in the morning. There's, there's two important things here that I, I think are worth calling out. The first is that um, he talks about the doughboy who is is that the cook i think it's a nickname he's using for the cook because it means dumplings it's just a uh oh doughboy the steward uh Mm. okay um who is i guess is like valet effectively Mm. no he's huh no Mm. not a valet a valet is like a jobson who like would take care of like dressing and taking care of the captain what is that mean a jobson yeah from the terror drop a job Oh, 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 sorry. Like, like, drops in terror. Like, drops in uh, terror. Not like, sorry, you said it like bosun. Like, that's just like a, a role on a ship that I right, should know. Yeah, yeah kind of. Um, uh, no, but uh, uh, Doughboy, he's like going in, like, um, making Ahab's bed. And Ahab is not sleeping, oh, yeah. like we learned from this. Ahab is, uh, like, he's never in his bed more than three hours out of the 24, and he doesn't sleep even when he's in his bed. Uh, the hammock clothes are all rumpled and tumbled, the sheets down at the foot, the coverlid almost tied into nuts, and the pillow is sort of frightful hot, as though a, a baked brick had been on it. A hot old man. A hot um, old man. And, like, I, I think this is important, for, especially for, for the next chapter that we're about to get into, which is just, the, like, um, Ahab is troubled. Like, he's not sleeping. Um, he's, you know, he's, like, pacing. He's, like... I don't know, his mind is all storms. And then I think the other thing that is important here is he mentions... The appointments? The appointments. The appointments. Right. I, I do have it right here, Matthew, if you want. It says, um, who's made... This is this is Stubbs wondering what's going on with Ahab. He says, who's made appointments with him in the hold? Ain't that queer now? Yes. Uh, he goes into the afterhold for every night, as Joe Boy tells me he suspects. What's that for? I should like to know. Um, this is, this is strange. Everything's, everything is strange. Everything is, everything's very, it's all, damn me if everything is not all, all, but all things are queer. Uh. Who could Ahab be meeting with in secret in the hold of the ship where no one can see him? Carlos. Carlos. He's meeting Carlos. It's kind of weird. I didn't know you were in this book. This goes into your theory. The ghost, the ghost crew? The secret crew? That or he's like building a beautiful, uh, ice sculpture in there. Who? Ahab. He batteries? He to work on his, his, batteries? Uh, his sculpture. Did you say batteries? What do you, what do you mean batteries? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I don't know. I heard you yeah, say batteries. Yeah, he has batteries. And, and then he uh, does uh, the amateur works. electronics work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else for <laughs> this chapter? No. I think, I think we covered it all. Um, Chapter 30. Oh, batteries for his vape. Um, Oh, yeah. This chapter, the pipe, he throws his pipe pipe. at the ship. Yeah. So, by the way, um, Uh well, no, we should say what happens in the chapter. 
That was it. Lat just did. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, no, they have no, no, no. Pipe off the, the ship. No, no, no. Well, he he throws his pipe into the sea, but also like I think the the pipe is important because he's talking about the smoking no longer smooth smooths. The smoking yeah. no longer soothes. Like I, I can't can't relate, but the pipe is a comfort. Um, and he throws comfort into the ocean. Like, uh, especially, like, talking about, like, he can't sleep. He is troubled, and he is throwing away one of the few things that might, like, soothe his troubles right. into, into the ocean. Because it's just, like, hard must it go with me if thy charm be gone um, and just and throws it away. Right, which is the opposite of what the pipe is for Stubb, right? Yes. For Stubb, the pipe is, like, a, a just a mundane joy. Like, it's a, it's a thing yeah. that's not the ocean. That he just does. It's a it's a thing to do. For yeah. Ahab, Ahab, yeah, it's just become nothing. Like it at yeah. best, it's a nuisance. He's just getting nothing this, out of it. And this thing that yeah. is meant for sereneness to send up mild white vapors among mild white hairs, not among torn iron gray locks like mine. Uh, I'll smoke yeah. no more. Yeah. It's a humanity thing, right? Like Stub. It it makes us feel like Stub's such a human dude that he's chain yes. smoking all these pipes before going to bed. Yeah. And then Ahab's just like, no, nah, I can't fuck with it anymore. It does I, nothing for I re- me. I reject mm-hmm. my humanity in this way. Yeah. But but then also the other thing is that he's sitting on the bones and we finally get a, a resolution to the Knights and Squires metaphor, which is that he's the king, but he's not just the king of the Pequod. He's the great lord of Leviathans. Like his domain is the sea. Pretty yes. sick. Uh, it, it's, yes. It's really it, cool. it specifically compares it to like the throne of... of Danish kings, which were made out of like tusks of narwhals, yeah. um, and this is a, a another a bone throne, uh, just a slightly smaller stature. Bone throne, yeah. Great. Anything else? Short but sweet. Yeah. Short but sweet. Yeah. It's only like four paragraphs. Yeah. On to Queen Mab, chapter thirty-one. Queen Mab, uh, where Dream great opening line. Let's go. Next morning, stub accosted flask. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this dream I had. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's another one where it's pretty much just a like monologue from Stubb. Essentially, there's like a couple lines at the very end where Flask asks questions, but the vast majority of it is this one sentence of uh, "Next morning, Stubb accosted Flask," and then paragraphs <laughs> of <laughs> Stubb talking. <laughs> Which is which is so funny because Stubb like goes through this entire dream, which is it's got yeah. such the energy of your coworker coming up to you, being like, "You won't believe this dream that I had," and it's just this right. rambling thing. And then at the uh-huh. end of it, he goes, "Now, what do you think of that dream, Flask?" And Flask just goes, "I don't know. Seems sort of foolish to me, though. <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah. I don't know. It seems kind of fucked silly. up, kind of dumb, kind of uh-huh. just a dream." Yeah. And that's it. That's yeah. like it from Flask, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so in, in this dream, it is uh, Stubb dreams about Ahab, uh, like having having a confrontation with Ahab. But in this case, uh, Ahab actually kicks him instead of in two chapters ago where he feels like he should have been kicked. Um, he now gets actually kicked and he realizes that it's actually kind of good to be kicked, especially by Ahab. Yes. Yeah. But he right. in the dream, well, mm-hmm. Ahab kicks him and then Ahab turns into a pyramid and yeah. Flask continues to kick the pyramid, which mm-hmm. he admits is a silly thing to be doing. Stuck, and yeah. then someone who I believe is supposed to be the spirit of Davy Jones comes out of the ocean covered in seaweed and stuff to like, mm-hmm. but there's a hump in his back and that's like a Davy Jones thing uh, from the folklore. Um, 
And he's like, what mm. are you doing? Like, don't you realize this is a good thing to be kicked by someone as cool as Ahab? <laughs> like, that's a story uh -huh. to tell. And yeah. I just, it's, there's, there's a lot going on here. So the thing with Queen Mab, right, is that like mm -hmm. in the Romeo and Juliet speech about Queen Mab, um, Mercutio says that like, Queen Mab is so great because we have these dreams that are prophetic and they show us what we need to see about our lives in order to move forward better because of them, right? And so that's sort of what this is serving for with, with Stubb is it's clarifying the shit that he wanted to sleep on before. And I think it's, he starts kicking this pyramid, which is, it's, it's a funny thing because it's a combination of an absurd image, right? That like we have in dreams, but it's also this whole thing of like, you're just railing against an immovable edifice that only houses the dead. Ahab's just dead already. Like he's just this mm. dead edifice inside. And so, and also this great symbol to the sort of merman's point, right? And so for you to just kick it is pointless. Um, and you should be sort of just putting it into this other bucket for yourself mentally so that you can move forward with life and be okay. Uh, side note here, uh, he exclaims slid, uh, slid man, but I was frightened. Uh, slid is... Uh, an abbreviation of uh, by God's lid, like by God's eyelid. Whoa. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like Zunes. Zunes is God's wounds. Whoa. Um, I didn't know that. Wait, you didn't know that? Oh, that, no, yeah. So it's like cool. in, in Othello and stuff, and then a lot of Shakespearean plays, they, yeah, they will no say Zunes. like, Zunes. And they're not talking about the, the failed Microsoft product. Um, but yeah. they, yes, that is, it's. I didn't know it meant God's wounds. That's wild. Yes. There were two jokes in this chapter that I thought were really funny. Um, yeah. One is when uh, Stubb is like, don't tell me who to kick. I'm going to kick you to the merman. And the merman just makes dead eye contact, rises up out of the water, and he's covered in like marlin fish spikes. And then Stubb's like, all right, fair enough. Maybe I won't kick you. <laughs> you're, covered, you're covered in spikes. Yeah. That made me laugh. And then the part where he finishes telling flask the dream and flask is just like i don't know it seems like a fucking weird dream and that's it that was funny and then he says well here's what it means it means don't talk to ahab don't fucking talk to that guy just leave him alone don't speak to him here but like just don't do it and then ahab yells something to him and stuff immediately is like what'd you say oh yeah and he just responds to ahab immediately after telling flask never to speak to him no matter what he says or what he does and then <laughs> well, never, never speak quick to him, which is never talk back or defy him. Oh, well, he's I thought saying he's I just going to follow all his orders. Oh, I thought yeah, it was, I thought it was a funny little joke him. about how like, Hey, yes. just, just avoid talking to that guy. He's a weirdo. Like, yeah. you're <laughs> talking to him right after. It's, it's don't talk back <laughs> to him. Don't give him lip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give him the respect that a pyramid deserves. <laughs> also the, the merman talking about the, the leg that you should actually feel good that you got mm -hmm. kicked by an ivory leg because it's not just right. some common pitch pine leg. Mm -hmm. Yes. You were kicked by a great man and with a beautiful ivory leg, Stubb. It's an honor. I consider it's it an honor. honor. So funny. Listen wise, Stubb. Mm -hmm. In England, in old England, the greatest lords think it great glory to be slapped by a queen and made garter knights of. And you were kicked by old Ahab and made a wise man of. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Weird Count his kicks honors. To have the... No count kickback slapped and then you become a special kind of garter knight yeah it's again kind of doing the thing that he was doing with the statue whatever it was where he's like almost again kind of losing his humanity just being becoming kind of an object yeah to worship almost a, a promontory that holds nothing but a dead body mm -hmm. right 
but very funny to have Stubb be like, actually, no, it's good to be kicked. Mm-hmm. And like just like mm-hmm. talk himself into this froth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, also, the, the merman mm. swims away into the air. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good image to, to end on. It's what, it's what merman did. Good chapter. Yeah. The only other thing I had on this one is I underlined so confoundedly contradictory was it all because I just read that and heard it in Benoit Blanc's voice from oh my God. Knives Out in the Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. Um, one contradictory was. <laughs> one thing I do want to highlight here because it's important for something else. Masthead there looks sharp. All of you, there are whales hereabouts. Mm-hmm. If you see a white one, split your lungs for him. Ooh. And as we all know, from the Mastodon album Leviathan, right, right, Blood you gotta split your, split your lungs, Blood and Thunder. Yeah, so good. I love it. Is that an album about Moby Dick? Oh. Yeah. Have you not listened to Mastodon's <laughs> Leviathan? No. Oh, I have, have great. Have news. you Have you seen the album cover to it? <laughs> is it just the whale? Is that what it is? Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could, could be about anything. Good. What's what's the first song called? Oh, oh Blood and Thunder. What's the second uh-huh. called song I called Ahab. I am Ahab? Yeah, yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great, great yeah, album. I I'm lukewarm mm-hmm. on Mastodon's other albums, but yeah, they're, they're, they're not as good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I went to see them uh, live a couple years ago specifically to see Blood and Thunder because like, yeah, yeah, yeah the whips. Yeah. I this is a cool album cover also. Spoilers. Yeah. You don't think there's spoilers in the... There's probably... Album? I don't know. It's... Probably are. It's probably like high-level spoilers. It's, it's, it's also it's all like metal, so, you know, it's yes. not yeah. the most intelligible of lyrics. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So, uh, those are the chapters we read this week. Moving on. Uh, what genre was this week? This was... I mean, it's like... Shakespeare. Yeah, it is extremely yeah. Shakespearean. It's a Shakespearean right. fools segment, like mm-hmm. when you when you meet the fools and yeah, cool. sort of poke fun at the world. There you go. This, this is this is like Act Two, Scene One and Two. Yeah, like we've had we've Act One was all right, of, like, like and getting ready, getting, getting on the boat, yeah, 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 yeah. introducing it. Yeah, now rising action. We're at the very start of it. Um. All right, who was this week's MVP? Gotta be Stubb. I was thinking that, like, it was either Stubb, maybe Starbuck. He didn't really do much, but there was literally a whole chapter where he's like, man, this Starbuck guy's pretty rules. cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that's true. I think it's Stubb or Flask uh, for listening to that entire fucking <laughs> that dream, dream and just being like, oh that God, sounds pretty fucking like, stupid, wow, man. God, Dreams are yeah. weird, yeah. man. Oof, I don't know nice. what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally <kinda laughs> I don't know like what that. you want to yeah, fucking hear from like me. Yeah, I think it could be Flask. Yeah, stub stub being all of our coworkers. Stub had a good yeah. week, but or not? Excuse me, flasping all all of our coworkers. Going, uh huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yikes! <laughs> listening, listening patiently to that entire unhinged dream. Yeah, <laughs> this man that oh. smells like he's made of pipe tobacco. <laughs> yeah. Congrats to Flask, or uh, yes, yeah? congrats to Flask. Yeah. Pipes yeah. while congrats telling Congrats to Flask. Yeah. Congrats yeah. to Flask. How has Herman lied to us this week? I, I think I think there were a couple general things of like oh this is, this portrayal doesn't seem good but not really an outright mm-hmm. lie oh oh um, no no i'm sorry oh. there is a really important lie sure. um yeah <laughs> when he says that Stubbs so healthy because he smokes pipes constantly right <laughs> well you know relatively yeah everyone's like breathing what is it like chloroform 
handkerchiefs, you know, uh, maybe not no, quite that, um, but you know, it's not chloroform. It's no. I guess he just Probably he not. just speculates. Camp, I guess camper. he, he speculates, so it's not a full light. But he says, likewise, against all moral tribulations, Stubbs' tobacco smoke might have operated as a sort of disinfecting agent. So I guess that's actually yeah. him saying yeah. he's getting disinfected for glumness and things like that. Yeah. So yes, which you know, yeah, that's real. Teach their own. Yeah. That's real. So I take real. it back, Melville. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Smoke all day. No big lies, huh? Yeah, smoking is good for you. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a that's a rock fact. Um, great. Uh, how about our quote battle royale? Mm-hmm. Matthew, you have a submission here. So I I really like this. Um, when they're talking about like heading south and like Ahab starting to appear, um, and we've we've already had this like comparison of like Ahab to a tree. Uh, nevertheless, ere long, the warm warbling persuasiveness of the pleasant holiday weather we came to seemed gradually to charm him Ahab from his mood. For as when the red-cheeked dancing girls, April and May, trip home to the wintry, misanthropic woods, even the barest, ruggedest, most thunder-cloven old oak will at least send forth some few green sprouts to welcome such wow. glad-hearted visitants. Uh, so Ahab did, in the end, a little respond to the playful lurings of that girlish air. Um, I just, I like that, like, personification yeah. of, like, spring as, like, mm. April and May as these, like, dancing girls that like wander through the forest um, yeah. that just was was fun and then ahab then this great stoic oak actually like reacting to it yes yeah. like even he cannot resist uh more than mm-hmm. once did he put forth the faint blossom of a look which in any other man would have soon flowered out in a smile yeah. like he did not smile but mm. uh he got he's he's getting there yeah yeah it was cute I had two that I couldn't choose between. One is just, I'll clear the world of thee. That's just like, Mm. oh my God. That's really good. That's incredible. What an incredible thing to say to someone. And then just the sentence, a hot old man, exclamation point. A hot old man. Yeah. That's pretty good too. Lat, what do you got? Uh, The only one I had was a hot old man. Nice. I I had the easy chair one. Uh, Long usage had Uh, for this stub converted the jaws of death into an easy chair. That was my. Yeah, that rules too. All right, who won? I mean, it's not, easy it sounds like we've got we've easy got chair. Hot old men. Yeah, I I, easy, I think we should just make them be like man. we each we each pick our favorites because yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. That's this also, also that like, also makes sense. Yeah, you're right. This is a really yeah. good spread. These are all the ones that yeah. like stood out yeah. to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Okay, great. Congrats uh, to everyone. Yeah, congrats to words for mm-hmm. being yeah. quotes. Um, True. If you have any questions about Moby Dick, math, relationships, um, etc. Um, you can send those in. Uh, there is a link in our show notes as well as in our Twitter, uh, our co-host account. We have a co-host account. I don't know. Have we, have we announced that? that, that oh, yeah. In a um, post um, last You can find us thing. on co-host at Moby Dick. Yep. Yep, at that's Moby right. Dick. We are the the single source of Moby Dick truth on co-host. Um, it's true. So you can go there and find the link to submit questions. Uh, another way you can submit questions is calling in to 510-764-DICK. That is 510-764-3425. Um, and send us a message that way. Wow. Uh, and one minor note with this, um, we are changing it to, uh, we're going to have a question episode um, at a certain point once we have enough questions as opposed to addressing those individually in um, episodes. So send in those questions. We'll look at them. And eventually get to them in one big old episode. When we feel like it. Right. When we feel like it. (laughs) 
if you if you ask more interesting questions, we may feel like doing it sooner. So, you know, wow, <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> if you want to express how you feel uh, at lat saying that, you can call right. us at five one zero seven six four dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and scream and scream. Um, yeah, what's it called when you split your lungs? Is that what it is? Oh yeah, yeah, split yeah, your lungs. Yeah, split your exactly. Lungs. Yeah. Call. <laughs> That number and split your lungs yep. at us. Call five one zero seven six four dick and split your lungs. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Josie Breckner for our music. Um, you can find more of it at www.josiebreckner.com. Where can people find you on the internet, Matthew? Uh, you can find me not on Twitter. Uh, oh. I uninstalled that goddamn app. Yeah. Uh, wow. But you can find me on co-host at MRFB. Hey, Carlos. You can find me on co-host at Carlos. At I'm not Carlos. telling people my Twitter. I'm not. I'm never uh, at Carlos. That's right. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. It's great, wow. buddy. Good get. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Dibs. Yeah. Um, you can find me on co-host. I think at ML Dibs. I, 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 I think you're just Dibs on co-host. Ooh, that's exciting. Just Dibs on co-host. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll log in again eventually and. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do something. <laughs> yep. You're just okay. on Yep. Wow. Sick. Nice. Yep. You can find me on Storygraph at Ann Latner. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well. I am there. <laughs> uh, next time we are rolling towards chapters 32, Cytology, and 33, The Spec Snyder. Whoa. <laughs> Carlos. That's right. What do you what do you what do you think happens here, bud? I th- <laughs> I know what happens in Cytology. We're gonna Melville's gonna classify every whale, all yep. of the whales. All I think there's whales. books involved. That there's like three great. books of whales. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited to learn more of science, and because I, I feel like I've been missing missing that in this right. book. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that's that's really exciting. Spec Snyder. I don't know. Probably some guy on the ship. Probably. It's probably related to Zack Snyder. You think it's Zack Snyder? I mean, probably. I mean, it sounds like Zack so, Snyder. So, Spec Snyder is probably. You know, so, Spec Snyder is a chapter about the Zack Snyder adaptation of Moby Dick. It's kind of a behind the scenes look. That's why we're only doing two chapters because yeah. one of them is really long. And obviously, right. that's yeah. 33, not 32. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're, we're going to do next time. So, you, you said that, Carlos. Um, do you know what the main plot point in Avatar 2 The Way of Water is? Oh no! <laughs> I do not. Did you go I see don't. it? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I you liked my okay. tweet about it. First of all, uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it is uh, space whaling. Um, there are oh my god, probably. Like oh a, well, now we have to go see it. Like there's scenes yeah. devoted to its own hunt. Um, there's crab mechs that are involved, and he's got these specially designed ships and he goes like in depth on like there's multiple stages to it and how you hit it with different harpoons and that actually sounds things sick. that come up and yeah you've there's this you've giant... activated oh. dibs because now it's about now it's boat media yeah yeah, yeah. it happens so fast yeah. oh wait i replied it. to this tweet i said slay to this tweet. <laughs> slay <laughs> indeed slay slaying those was... whales um, oh, and then yeah. Carlos's review on the poster for Avatar 2 Way of Water just slay. I was in an <laughs> slay. <laughs> in my defense, I was in an Uber to a New Year's Eve party. Uh, and that's fair. Pretty, you know, I was just on Twitter. Right. Slay. Yeah. Hanging out. Yeah, slay. slay. 
Um, so it. yeah, James Cameron has spent an enormous amount of time figuring out how space whaling would work. Um, D- so did he finally put the music in? Do y'all know about the music? The no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I know about music. I've heard music before. Wait, what's music? For the first movie, he spent like a ton of money mm-hmm. coming up with like music that would sound like it's from nowhere, like music you've never heard before. Right, like, 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 like new scales, like time and, signatures and scales. And, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff for wow. what and music then, from Pandora would be like. Um, and, and then, then never he, used it because it sounded too weird. Yeah, he listened to it. And was like, I oh, know this is dumb. <laughs> we'll just get like so Hans Zimmer or whatever to do like yeah. g- generic ass oh, movie music. That. Yeah, actually, that, that first movie was the most generic movie I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, great yeah. news about the second one. Um, yeah. 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 It's not know, generic. No, it was, it's it's very well, generic. It's it's a lot of like uh, coming of age and you know it's, uh, children dealing with the sins of their parents and you know mm. ground groundbreaking unique stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, um, but there's whaling, space whaling. But damn, okay, right. big sell. Okay. I had to I got to validate my mom over Christmas because she was like, "What's with Avatar? Like, well, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember anything about it. Like, what's wrong with me?" And I was like, "It's not you." This is actually a unique cultural phenomenon where Avatar made more money than any movie yep. has ever made, still top of the charts, right? Yep. Um, yep. And spawned absolutely zero fandom <laughs> off of it, which is Have, incredible, fascinating, for, scientific. Now, hold on. There, there There's an episode of How Do You Do with John Wilson that disagrees with that. Yeah. That is true. That's but also if, true. God, I forgot about that. But that it's really like. Good. For creating an entire world, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. whole cloth and having yeah. it be the highest grossing film for it to have, relatively speaking, yeah. no fandom yeah. follow up is staggering. Like if you compare the amount of fan fiction fan art that's been created for Avatar to, mm-hmm. I think, the next one down on the list, which is Avengers Endgame, yeah, it's like sure. yeah. it's phenomenal. It's it's genuinely mm-hmm. scientifically fascinating. Yeah. How and little you, you want to know an, an interesting thing about this new movie. Mm. Um, it yeah. is one of the fastest movies to ever gross over a billion dollars. Um, and like weekend over weekend. So this is the, the third weekend it's out, right? It had a slight increase in the box office between the second weekend and the third weekend it's out, which is like unheard of. Like that never happens with movies. Huh? I'm gonna go see it after your your pitch on yeah. it. So I mean, it's I, I, I don't know. Like you'll you'll watch it. That's 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 an Avatar. Um, space whaling yeah, yeah. cool. James Cameron can do cool action scenes. Like this is a very ready competently for f- done like movie. Fifteen more of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw and they filmed like three of them already, right? Yeah. I think they did. I think they did like a. They announced the next, They announced two through five. I thought. Yeah, yeah like they that. announced those in 2008 when the first one came out. But th- I think they also filmed three of them in a row mm-hmm. so that there wouldn't be an age thing or whatever. I don't know. Yes, what, so you know. uh, Avatar 3, 2024, yep. Avatar 4, 2026, Avatar 5, 2028. They're coming. Great. Yeah. yeah. And Can't wait. They're, you know, the most popular movies in the world, kind of. Yeah. Um, kind yeah. of. It also has <laughs> uh, Sigourney Weaver plays, like, they're the... Uh, bisexual teenage daughter with like a really bisexual like shaggy bob haircut um nice that's like not not like Uh other people and it was like bizarre being like wait is that digitally de-aged blue sigourney weaver i was like yeah (laughs) actually it is yeah okay yeah (laughs) Yeah. sure i guess why not i'll take that (laughs) okay sure yeah 
Anyways, the, well, this podcast cool. is sponsored by James Cameron and Avatar 2, The Way of Water. <laughs> Thanks, James. Um, yeah, Thanks, James. If, you, if you go and send James an email, you can get uh, 20% off uh, your tickets to see Avatar 3. Yep. That's right. Um, not not Avatar 2, Avatar 3, so just remember in 2024. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. how they get you. They Lower want market. you to get the discount right. and then forget, but you're not yeah. gonna forget because yeah. we reminded you. Yeah, exactly. James at exactly Cameron is cool dot com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then if you, if, if you give him the special code Dick, um, you can get twenty. He'll know. Yeah. <laughs> like the phone number. Just just put it in the subject line. <laughs> Don't put anything else. Yes. In. He'll yeah. know. Just okay. just email James Cameron your dick. Yeah. Huh? For twenty percent off this weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.